Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. We are on the road. NSN, the Nachum Siegel Network, is on the road in Israel, sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Monday, we spent time with our friends at Koren Publishers. Tuesday, it was Azer Mitzion. Wednesday, it was Shari Tzedek Medical Center. And today, Thursday, from the uh, Inbal Hotel, we have an amazing opportunity uh, to speak with our uh, friends at the Jerusalem College of Technology, the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. And in this first hour, uh, a couple of other special guests who are going to be joining us here at JM in the AM. With all this in mind, we say good morning to Miriam L. Wallach, who good is morning. here. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. So it's been quite a week, hasn't it been? I think we're almost at the end of the road. We are almost, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for this week, we're we almost at the We are at the end of our road. We are almost at the end of the road. It is Thursday. We, we must, must start with a word about the Inbal Hotel, because they've always been very hospitable to us. And they are this morning. Yeah, my gosh. I know. We told them we needed a folding table. All of a sudden, it looks like a bar mitzvah in here. Yeah, they really, uh, they really. Prepared. I mean, there's a centerpiece, Nahum. They prepared. There are flowers on our table. They prepared quite a kiddish. They also didn't yeah. know that the moment Yoni saw this entire setup, he would completely rearrange Correct. it. By knocking all of this stuff over to the side. Correct. And replacing it with equipment. But I, th- I do thank the staff here for setting things up beautifully for us. And of course, for their hospitality. And again. They spoil us, you know. They do spoil us here. <laughs> and again, uh, making this, the Inbal Hotel, our home base during our visit to the Holy Land. So this has been uh, a great visit, a wonderful adventure, as these Israel trips tend to be, Baruch Hashem. And uh, here we are at the Inbal on a Thursday morning, um, getting set to wrap things up. Back in studio tomorrow, by the way. Back in studio in New York tomorrow. Makes one of us, boss. How do you like that? Yes. Uh, yeah, well, why would that Friday be different than the exactly. other Friday? Exactly. But anyway. I don't want to spoil you. <laughs> also, it's one thing that the inball spoils us. Also, you would think that I would be sympathetic enough to my staff. Correct. After all of this. And you are. After all of this uh, marathon-type programming mm-hmm. on the road, uh, jet-lagged, etc., that I wouldn't uh, expect that they would be in on Friday mornings. And so. 10 p.m. meetings. Yeah, a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. <laughs> a lot of meetings. Um, Lot of Somebody asked me when I sleep. I'm like in New York. It's funny with the whole sleep thing because sleep is funny. I'll tell you why. Oh, I can't because, wait to hear this. Because uh, I don't know if this applies to you, but it applies to me. Officially, I am I am in bed longer in Israel than I am at home, but I sleep less here. In other words, I because <laughs> I know that sounds nope, strange. I'm not. Yes, a, because I'm. I'm listening. Because in New York, I'm getting up at four thirty in the morning. Here, I can get up reasonably at six a.m. without a problem. But because of the nature of this whole thing, I am never getting a full night's sleep, and I am up every other hour, and it's just, you know, there's, and there's always something to do, and people to check in with, and yes. the United States the right to, et cetera. Correct. That's so it's just, true. So it's like, it's like, it's funny that when we complain about the lack of sleep, it's really not because the opportunity is not there, it's just that it just doesn't happen. In right. reality, it just doesn't happen. Right, because so. we, in general, do business on two continents. Correct. 
Um, at the at the minimum, correct. Sometimes more correct. In for this trip, we've been right. doing business on two continents. So while I guess I'm used to managing that time well when I'm in New York, I am now burning it really at both ends, trying to make sure that things are managed back on both sides. Yeah, just some of the uh, the backstory of the uh, of the broadcast week here. At the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so uh, we thank the Inbal. We thank the Inbal. And by the way, I know I mentioned to you the other night, um, and that I had told you that that morning, the morning before, when we were um, when we were at Azer Mitzion, that we had gone to O2. I had been to the right. restaurant. Um, and you were the Inbal. Yeah, and I stopped by there again last night. And it's just it's ridiculously good. Oh, there you go. It's ridiculously good and everyone's in a good mood and the food was great. For somebody who traditionally eats about ten percent of what's on the menu, the uh I, see that's, that's quite an endorsement. That to me is the epitome of a con- of a compliment. Oh, if there really? is a if there is a meat restaurant, if there is a fleshek restaurant, or in this case a bisari restaurant that I can't wait to go back to, knowing that there's a good portion of the menu that's not for me, I think that that's a big compliment. All right. I used to say that to Mendy about Bedford. Right. I said, I love coming to your restaurant even though I'm not eating eight out of the ten main courses. Right. But the fact that I can't wait to come back has got to be a compliment. And he's like, in a backwards way, yes, that is a compliment. <laughs> exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um, all right. Great. So there we go. Um, first hour Thursday here at the Inbal Hotel and we've got some special guests coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have events to talk about and different things. We want to do. We do want to wish a mazel tov on tonight's dinner to uh, uh, Tamara and Ross Rothenberg. Yep. who are being honored this evening. Great at the, people. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. See, this is what happens when you travel. That it's was last it. night. The dinner was last night. So Mazal Tov. The dinner was last yeah, night? Yeah, it was Wednesday night. Oh. So a, a big Mazal Tov to tomorrow. So what's Sunday night? Sunday night is Young Israel Teaneck oh, dinner I, that I we keep talking it. about. Yeah. Which is right after the mega in Teaneck. Yes. Well, actually, it's in Bergen County. It's not in Teaneck. Okay, it's, it's just the same. Place. Anyway, so um, a, a Mazal. Could you imagine if a hotel had to transform from the mega to the Young Israel Teaneck dinner? Like in the that same day, a couple hours. That apart. would be difficult. That would be bad. Um, or, but there would be people who could just stay all day. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and there are all going to be people who are staying all day in Bergen County. Yep. Uh, but last night it was Tamar and Ross Rothenberg and all the other honorees mm-hmm. who were uh, Ariella Herman. Correct. Right, Ariella and Ruby Herman, uh, who were recognized at the um, at the dinner for Yeshivat Noam. So we take this opportunity to wish the Hermans and the Rothenbergs and Dina Lewin and Becky Weisberg a very special Mazel Tov, and of course Rabbi Hagler and the entire staff at Yeshivat Noam. All right? All right. Ready to head to a song and get back to one of our special guests? I, I'm, I, you're going to play a short song, I think, because we have a guest here, and the more time you can get with him, always the better. Okay, so let me choose, and also, let I me have to manage, the I also have to manage the time, because I know that <laughs> the two of you could just sit here for the next two hours and 45 minutes, which would be great, and would be unbelievable programming, but frankly, not fair to the rest of our guests that we have lined up for this morning. All right, so we'll do this one from Barbara. And we have to do the lineup for today. we got a lot of shows. I have, you know, That's Life is brand new for today. So we got a lot of stuff going on. And that's from Israel. Happy Thursday, folks. It's Thursday. You're listening to JM in the AM from Israel right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Oh, so it was hope if we knew the heart of no Hashem. 
JM and the AM Thursday. We're in Israel and Yerushalayim at the Inbal Hotel. Uh, a very, very special guest with us here in our uh, mobile studio here at the Inbal. That is the uh, founder, co-founder, and of course the man in charge of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Yehoshua Fass, is here in our studio. Shalom, 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 shalom It is so good to see you here. It is wonderful to see you, always wonderful to see you, and guess what? People are going to have an opportunity to see you in New Jersey this weekend. Imagine that. The mega event. The mega event is going to be happening at the Glen Point Marriott and Teaneck this coming uh, Sunday. It all starts at uh, 10 a.m. It goes until 4 o'clock, and we are encouraging everybody to register by going to nbn.org slash mega, nbn.org slash mega. Do you have any clue how many people are already registered? As of yes, now, a lot. Right? As of last night, we had eleven hundred pre-registered. Wow, which is off the charts. And we have a few more days, and we usually have a few hundred that come last minute without registering beforehand. And we have close to two hundred medical professionals who are coming for the medics. Um, combination of paramedics and physicians and nurses coming. Uh, it's going to be unbelievable. Um. And the experiment worked, moving it out of Manhattan. Well, that was the first thing I was going to ask because, uh, you know, people think that if you're going to hold a successful event in New York, New Jersey area, it has to be in Manhattan. Uh, Obviously, this already with the numbers you have is a success at the Marriott Glen Point in Teaneck, New Jersey. And uh, anybody who's uh, anywhere on the Aliyah scale, the Aliyah chart, whether you're just considering it, thinking about it, dreaming about it, or if you're really ready to, you know, make the move... You should come on Sunday and uh, and explore further. Absolutely. Um, the the when you say medical, you you don't mean people who've registered who are in the medical field. You mean people coming from Israel to help those in the medical field, or you mean both? Who's who's who, what, what did you mean by medical people? We have close to two hundred prospective olim, North American people, North American who are in the medical in the medical field, field who coming to the separate track of the medics. And they're going to get information about those licensing things, right? and meeting with hospital directors and uh, physicians authorities here in Israel. Right. And for those who think it's an impossible red tape situation, you could attest to the fact that it's doable. Five hundred and fifty physicians later, <laughs> we can attest that it's doable. All doing well. Everyone, everyone all doing happy. Well, thank God. I'm not sure. All ha- no, <laughs> all happy. <laughs> it's a. It, I mean, the impression is, you know how it is. The medical field, even in the United States, is not as. Uh, is not the same as it used to be. And then people wonder about, you know, in Israel, if they can, in fact, be employed and, you know, be successful in the industry. You're here to attest to the fact that the answer is yes. Absolutely. Especially now that there's a, a physician shortage in Israel. And that's general across the board? That's general across the board in every field for two reasons. A lot of the Russian physicians are retiring. The whole From that Aliyah. From that Aliyah. So they are departing the scene. And a lot of the physicians that are finishing school here, medical school here, are leaving outside of the country to do specialties. Right. So we have a dearth of, uh, of physicians placements throughout the entire, in every clinic, in every hospital. So they're, they're grabbing up every single possibility. Mm. To, att- attesting to the fact that they're flying out to Teaneck, New Jersey to look for uh, talent. Because some of the people in that category who've registered are not necessarily in New York and New Jersey. Correct. We have a lot, a lot of physicians who are flying in from different states for the day. And how many professionals do you have to bring? Or is your staff sufficient to deal with the no, whole No, we week? have to bring in. We have to bring in from the Physician's Authority, from the Licensing Authority. There's a staff of, we have a specific staff that's trained for medical licensing 
and we have uh, certain government officials that are coming. It's a staff who are desperate for North American doctors. Desperate. They're going to be coming in begging for the North American Aliyah. No, but just the the Israeli <laughs> government officials are in awe when when I bring them in to that room and they see just a close to 200 medical professionals in that room. It is a, forget about a booster shot of Zionism, but just the value, the value of skill sets, the value of talent, the value of brain power, and just an influx of just talent that Israel did not have to invest in. It's just uh, unparalleled. They don't, have, they don't begin their session with, uh, you really want to make Aliyah? They don't begin with that. No, we've retrained they, they, them. They come in very, very positive at it. Very positive. <laughs> Only positive. <laughs> Only <laughs> smiles. They don't come in, God forbid, discouraging people. Only smiles at the mega. Because, you know, the mega purpose is to encourage people to move to Israel. You no, the, the mega purpose is not to encourage. The what mega, is the mega purpose? The mega purpose? purpose is for individuals to explore the option. It's explore the option. I want every single person just to explore the option. You can't turn down something if you haven't explored the option. If you haven't explored the option, you've already turned it down. But everyone owes it to themselves and to their families just to explore the viability and the feasibility of the option of moving to Israel. That is what it's all about. Rabbi Yoshua Fass is here. We're at the Inbal Hotel on a Thursday morning. The mega event is at the Glen Point Marriott in Teaneck this coming Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. until 4 o'clock. NBN.org.mega, excuse me, NBN.org slash mega to register. Be uh, among the 1,100 plus people who've already registered for the event. NBN.org slash mega. For those who criticize me for always concentrating on the medical field, there are other industries that uh, people might be in. Shocking. That they're going to yes. be. They, yeah. <laughs> None of the Jewish mothers will believe it, but there we are. some <laughs> lawyers thrown into the mix. It's good. It's good. There are other industries represented at the mega, right? Yes. Uh, e- even, even um, those who'd like to pursue entrepreneurial paths. Correct. Or. I don't want to say unusual, different paths, you know, yeah. things that are a little off the beaten track, let's sure. put it that way. Uh, they can all get information from the uh, from the people. Well, who you and I have discussed many times before of just the the variety of professions that, that make Aliyah. There are on each flight. We right. always uh, are in awe of just the, right. the breadth and depth of just the professional. Could be chicken farmers. Okay, once in a while. Could be, but, ther- but, could be but, therapeutic experts. You usually have mainstream professionals <laughs> on, on flights. <laughs> Sorry, Dalcom. But um, you're, not, you're not giving me a chance to talk about the outliers. No, not on. at all. I'm not into the outliers. <laughs> but uh, yes, but we have ahead. we have the staff and we have the vendors and we have the sessions that are tailoring for really mainstream <laughs> professions. Of, uh, I'm encouraging people to seek out their, you know. Their I don't want everyone to think that only the chicken farmers are making aliyah. That is not my life's mission. <laughs> uh, will there be be, <laughs> will there be people? But I'm I'm glad that we have this opportunity at the Inbal. I mean, I mean, <laughs> certain certain people make an impression on us. That's okay? my bu- that's my bumper sticker. My life's mission is not to have everyone feel that chicken farmers are moving to now. Israel. If somebody if somebody's already in the process. They have to understand that there's a lot that needs to be done. There's uh, health insurance, I'm sure that's a, a big topic. There's education, where are their kids going to go to school, where are they going to live, because you continue to encourage people, and I think this time I can use the word encourage. Yes. You encourage people to seek out places in the north and south. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to t- I shouldn't say I hate. I could tell you the figure that I was told yesterday about the, from somebody you're, you're I believe, relatively close with, about the dream they have for the Negev. I mean, they're talking about one million people. Absolutely. You know about this. Sure. Because the person that, that was quoted to me 
works very closely with JNF, mm-hmm. and I'm sure works very closely with you. Yeah. And they believe it's a, that it could become a reality. Absolutely. But you understand that we're very far from that number at the moment. We'll get there. It, it doesn't, it's not necessarily based on Olim. It's based right. on opportunity and relocation of, of hundreds of thousands of Israelis with giving them the opportunity to be on a different frontier. Well, are people doing that outside of the Olim? Are Israelis, in fact, moving in that direction? It's a trend. And I think the more that we highlight opportunity and highlight um, options and uh, subsidized availabilities of jobs and housing, I think it'll not only clear out some of, uh, alleviate some of the, the housing problems here in Israel, but it'll create a whole opportunity for individuals. If you have gone to the Be'er Sheva in recently, gone to Be'er Sheva recently? Uh, Be'er Sheva ain't the same as it used to be. completely different city. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember when it was all dirt roads. It's a high-tech capital. Yeah, amazing. I'll tell you. Transformation. So even the young, you have young couples, Israeli young couples, who are looking for places to live. So that's going to be an avenue and address for many of them. Yesterday we spoke to somebody who's living in Kiryat Shmona. Yes. Describing to us what life is like up there, as, as, as if there is no better place in Israel, which I understand. There are people who are very attracted to areas up in the north. And that's another, I don't think the figure is a million, but that's another goal. That you and your partners have correct, is to but I don't think it's gonna you're gonna reach a right. It's not gonna be a more of the south, but but uh, it's going to be significant. Absolutely, right. I was just in Kiryat three days ago. It's great. Professional or vacation? It was professional. <laughs> I, I really vacate. you don't get a break, do <laughs> <No>. you? <laughs> um, but on Sunday you'll have an opportunity to meet a lot of people with Looking a lot of forward. dreams and goals. Looking forward. A lot of people who uh, who want to make this Aliyah dream come true for them. And I mentioned before, I said insurance and education. Oh, people need to know what to uh, what to order for their um, for their kitchens and their you know they need appliances. You'll have a vendor there with appliances, appliances right? and shippers, all and that accountants stuff. and yeah. finance. There are high quality ovens that fit in the Israeli apartments, right? Mm. Absolutely, we shouldn't worry about that. That's gonna that'll work well. <laughs> so people can get information about that on Sunday, and every other area that they've ever thought I about. I think we're over fifty vendors now. We have fifty different individual booths of uh, just giving information of different businesses and different advisors at the Mega at this point. I think there are 40 concurrent sessions throughout the day, I think six per hour, and 50 vendors. With different communities represented. Absolutely. Are you bringing any mayors this time around? I knew usually there's... there's, uh, I think we're not. Who do we expect this time? Who's the... um Who's the... Who are some of the special guests? Anybody coming in from Israel? Sure. We have... Yov Galant, Minister Galant is coming. Nice. He's right now Minister of Immigration Absorption. Right. So he's coming for the day, which is great, because he'll be a, a major, major player in the next government. Hopefully he'll join us on the air. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm supposed to bring him to you on the air. So uh, that's that. And we have the entire Kakal administration from here, Kamkat Yisrael, Danny, right. Danny Atar and uh, the Mankal. We have a JNF delegation that's coming to the day. We have the Jewish Agency delegation coming for the day. <laughs> You're going to be busy on Sunday. Oh, yes. Now I know why it's six hours. <laughs> yeah. Just to entertain all the guests, it's going to take time. <laughs> it's uh, it's remarkable to see the different partners and the different institutions in America coming out for the day when 16, 17 years ago when we started these events, it, we were like, uh, it was not a popular thing to highlight Aliyah. And now you have federations coming by. And okay, now one second. By. Now, at the risk of, of needing another 25 minutes for this. But 35. Let's, let's go for it. One second. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miriam. <laughs> take me back. Take me back 15 years ago. What does that mean? Because I remember 18 years ago. Let's go to 18. Go to years 18, ago. Years 18 years ago. 18 years ago, 
I was pitching to a an American institution an idea of having these different seminars, and I said the phrase North American Aliyah, and they asked me to stop putting those three words together. And I said it again. <laughs> what was their fear? Under warning. Because there's this uh, historic understanding or sensitivity or nuanced relationship with Israel that North American Aliyah was off the books and uh, try to create the sense of modern Zionism and a passionate connection to Israel was somewhat uh, relegated to uh, to other countries. Wow. So, and I meaning, just find meaning, it ironic. those in desperate times Correct. and turbulent situations, Correct. right? Aliyah was always viewed right. as Aliyah of, uh, of haven, of distress, right. of refuge. But uh, Ali have choice of individuals who were not running away from something, but mm-hmm. running to contribute. That was not really the Israel or the Aliyah that North American leaders were very much uh, encouraging. Now, I will remind you of something, historically. Yes. The majority of North American Jews were not in favor of the state of Israel being founded. Yeah. So, we've seen this before. That's another half an hour conversation. <laughs> at, Sorry, at, Miriam. At the minimum. Yes. At the end, because it's it's an impression that the young people out there would never believe at this no. point. Well, we have to reteach history. That's for sure. And in fact, I would I would argue I would argue I think it's a fact that the majority of people in Israel or in Palestine at the time were hesitant to follow Ben Gurion and actually for, uh, found the state. The majority of them. You can't underestimate the power of inertia. <laughs> right. Exactly. Of historic inertia. So you experienced that 18 years ago. But there is one thing. There's one area, and this Sunday has to do with it, where you really disproved me. And my prediction for modern Jewish history did not come true. And that was that uh, I felt that in the first 10 years or whatever figure you want to use of Nefesh Benefesh, you would be able, you would tap out with the people that want to make Aliyah from North America. There was a big surge, a tremendous amount of interest at the beginning. Uh, it would certainly last a while. You know, a couple of generations would be, you know, children would move, their parents would go after that type of thing and, and many different scenarios like that. And then we would hit some type of lull where we just we, you wouldn't be able to encourage enough people to keep up the momentum, to have sold-out planes during the summer, to have group flights all year round. And then what happens, Rabbi Fass? 1,100 people pre-registered to 2019 Mega, completely disproving the Nachum Siegel theory. But you knew this all along. Every time I bring this up, you always say that you, you never felt that my theory had any real basis to it. I'm sorry, Nachum. Yeah. Well, it's not just a matter of me being wrong. No, it's, we have a, it's a matter of North American there, there Jews is, being more There is a North American Zionist conveyor belt that creates individuals who are oriented to to contemplate Aliyah. Right. Um, you just have to make sure that that process and machinery is still working, and they'll produce a certain amount of thousands of every single year who are entertaining the concept. My job is to make sure that when they come out of that conveyor belt of Zionist expression, whether that's camps and schooling and community uh, expressions, that they have the av- availability to really entertain the concept. All right. got to wrap up with two things I must say. So fast? I know. Yeah, believe me, I'm not <laughs> happy about it. Uh, two things. Number one, a big shout-out to those schools, both day schools and high schools, that do spend a good amount of time on the importance of considering Aliyah. Absolutely. And there are a lot. Absolutely. Not enough, but there are a lot that do so. There are also schools that will never mention for four years that there's a mitzvah of living in Israel, but we don't, we don't get into that right now. So a big shout-out to them. And also, another point I always make, and I'm sure we'll make it again on Sunday, one of the things I've discovered in working with you for all these years is that there is an unbelievable core of Zionist feeling and and uh, manifestation in communities where we wouldn't necessarily 
um, expect it. Correct. It is unbelievable the spirit, and this is again one of the. You know, everyone thinks birthright, for instance, is successful because it's a free trip. It's also successful because there's an interest uh, among that crowd to actually visit Israel. They have the opportunity, and that shout out goes to the parents and to the educators and the rabbis across the board who have made sure that even if people are not as ritualistically inclined as we might be, Correct. still Israel is amazing. So let's talk about that on Sunday we will at the mega event itself. There's free parking. There's food. <laughs> We're close to family, so we don't have to worry about babysitting issues. That is why we moved it from Manhattan to Teaneck. And that, and symbolically, and that is why we're seeing a surge of registration. And symbolically, you know that Teaneck is one of your hubs of Aliyah. Who knew? Could you imagine? <laughs> Bergen County has been one of the hubs Just of Aliyah. Just by chance, we placed the mega right <laughs> in Bergen County. Just remarkable. There are like 11 Jewish communities. They won the lottery. It's going to be in Pitt. No. Oh, is that how it works? There was bidding. Different cities were bidding for the mega. Yes, like Amazon. Like the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yes. Different cities were bidding for it, and Teaneck came out ahead. Amazing. Whoever that mayor of Teaneck is, we must Unbelievable. We must compliment them. <laughs> Mega event Sunday, everybody. We'll see you there. We will broadcast from there, and Rabbi Fast will bring over some amazing guests, and we'll have an opportunity to uh, give shout-outs to the Jewish community across the board and across the country who are so dedicated to Aliyah. NBN.org slash Mega. NBN.org slash Mega. We will see you on Sunday. Can't wait. Tadaraba. Always nice to reunite with Rabbi Fast in Israel. Nothing like it. More coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning edition of JM and the AM from the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem, Israel.
JM in the AM, Thursday morning from the Inbal Hotel, NSN, the Nachum Single Network is on the road this week. We're brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Today we're at the Inbal. We're expecting in uh, the next couple of hours our friends from the Jerusalem College of Technology and our friends from the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University. We've had an amazing week so far, and we have come across another very special guest who is here in our mobile studio at the Inbal Hotel, and that is the Vice President of Yeshiva University, Josh Joseph, who is here, and uh, we'll find out in a minute why he's in fact in Israel. Shalom, shalom. Welcome to Jerusalem. Shalom Aleichem. It's great to see you. It was great to bump into you. At the Kotel the other evening. Yeah, that was nice. And, uh, yeah, that's always a good good place to meet. Now, what brings the vice president of Yeshiva University to the state of Israel in the month of March? A thousand students. One thousand students that we are meeting with and talking to about uh, Yeshiva University education and their future. Uh, And that means those men and women who are now in Yeshiva and seminary. Men and women who are currently in Yeshiva and seminaries. uh, You know, um, I've spent now the greater part of a year uh, diving in more deeply to our partners both at the high school level as well as here in Israel the shivot, the seminaries you know and I have to say that our partners in the continuum of education are really doing some phenomenal and innovative educational Torah courses and coursework and seminars and yeshiva type learning and Torah learning and it's just amazing to spend some time with them to spend some time with their students uh, to talk to them about being able to continue to grow in their future with us at YU and more and more uh, it's interesting more and more we're finding the data shows that, um, that students are coming here and growing and learning and wanting to stay longer. And again, everybody should work that out with their right. own family situations. <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not talking about, you know, present company or anything like that. But Speaking in generalities. In generalities. And more and more wanting to think about Aliyah. Just, I know, you know, right. Rabbi Fass and, uh, you know, uh, Nefesh Benefesh and all of their important work uh, for North American Aliyah. But more and more, this connection to Israel. The majority of the students that you and your staff meet with, I would guess, are in Israel under the YU umbrella somehow, right? Because you have a you have a program where even those who may not end up being at, on the Yeshiva University campuses back in the United States still very often go to Israel via Yeshiva University. There are, there are a number, but I would say that the majority are actually not on our program. Hmm. You probably have over 2,000, maybe 2,500 students from our, you know, sort of... Welt, our gestalt, our, 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 our background <laughs> uh, that we meet with, that we speak with. And on our program, the Yes Daniel Abraham Joint Israel Program, right. uh, there are six, seven hundred. So, you know, we have the opportunity to meet with a lot of them, um, those who want to think about how they're going to do next. And really, we see all of them as our projects as our right. Tommy Demon, Tommy Dote, that uh, we have an opportunity to, uh, to engage with, whether they end up at YU or not. Now, for me, it's difficult because I'm a very, very big Yeshiva University fan. Uh, a lot of, most people in my audience... Are you talking about men's basketball no, I'm here? Talking general, or a general, I'm talking okay, general YU. Yeah. I'm a very, very 
very big fan. For me, it's difficult to understand why parents or the students themselves wouldn't be considering a Yeshiva University school, uh, both undergrad and graduate, um, for for them. Um, you know, they may feel that, I don't know, life on other campuses might be better. The education they think might be better somewhere else. You know, there are there are certain institutions in this country that have a reputation as being the top. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that everything they are looking for in the undergrad and graduate programs is right there at YU. And I guess that's part of the focus of, of your discussions with them. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody has to find their right place. Everybody has to find their path. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're not missionaries in in saying there's only one one right way to do things right. um you know the 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 frame that i like to use is actually based on aristotle based on how tom morris anyway professor morris uh, understands it that there are four realms within which humanity deals with the world uh one of them is physical talk about uh, sort of the physical surroundings you're in and what better place for us to be than <laughs> in israel and in this beautiful hotel this beautiful amazing city be able to be at the hotel the other day um that the physical surroundings have an impact, what you eat, where you live, and all those pieces. Another piece is the intellectual engagement, and so there's definitely academic opportunities of all kinds. Mm -hmm. uh, the other is an emotional background, and we have a really what's known as a world-class sort of uh, counseling and, and advising group, spiritual guys, uh, you know, guidance, and so or so on and so forth. And spiritual and inspiring programs. And then the fourth element is, of course. Ruchnias, right? Spirituality, oh, so that is a separate right? And that's—I mean—that's Aristotle's right. frame. So I'm not saying that we have the best of every single one of those things, but where do you have the opportunity to grow in each and every one of those things? In combination. So that is sort of the pitch. That is the idea that you have an opportunity to grow in each one of those things, and especially in Torah learning, especially in your relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, especially uh, in your Ruchnias. Um, you know, you have an opportunity, you come to Israel, you learn, and you have an opportunity to continue to grow. Come join us in that growth. You know that our staff who's here with me in Israel are uh, all Yeshiva University graduates. Well, I wouldn't have it any other exactly. way. Exactly. I mean, it's just, this, this team is, is, you know, is YU. Speaking of being YU... How proud! We still have to work on all of their children coming to YU. Though. Ah, I don't know. We we could we could talk about that. Hmm. But, uh, Interesting. You know, <laughs> well, based on your theory, isn't some enough? <laughs> right? Has everyone looked no. for where they belong? No, I mean I'm being nice, you know, to you, but uh, you know, there are other people in the room, you know. So you only get working on that. Um, all right. How proud are we of the Yeshiva University men's basketball team? Now, not to put you in a in a bad position. All of the Yeshiva University sports teams, yeah. we, we should be proud of. We because are. they all represent us very... When I say us, I don't just mean Yeshiva, I mean the Jewish people. Very well, on and off the field, on and off the court, etc. However, yeah. as we've acknowledged in the past, there's something in this country that attracts people to the men's basketball programs, usually more maybe college football, which we don't have. Nothing yet. I know of. Not yet. We might have Not one yet. day? No. <laughs> the, the Jewish mothers Unless wouldn't. Unless the only wants to come back. <laughs> the know. Jewish mothers wouldn't allow it. Um, but there's something about the men's basketball, you know, category that's, you know, it, it, that's... There's an excitement there. Exactly. And thousands and thousands, I mean, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of people across the country are following their local uh, collegiate sports teams. Ours, Yeshiva University's men's basketball team, did very, very well. Unfortunately, we lost in the final this year. But, like I've said countless times over the last few months during the season, you can't be prouder of a group 
representing us the way they did both on and off the court. Because this group gets it. Not every group has gotten it, but this group gets it. That when they're on the court and they're playing, they are really representing not just yeshiva, but the entire Jewish people. They'll encounter people who've never seen Jewish people before. So big shout out to them. And I know that you are extremely proud of their accomplishments, Absolutely. even if they didn't make it to the uh, NCAAs. Look, you know, and you shame me. You probably ended up at more uh, home games than I did yeah. even this year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, we're uh, we're proud of our number one fan. Thank you very much. Um, and I have to say that um, it's not just about how they play in terms of winning games. Um, you, you, see, you see one of the guys who's a tough guy, and he's going in, and he's trying to grab a rebound and bumps into somebody else, and they fall, and he quickly runs and picks them up. Meaning an um, opponent. Yeah, an opponent. Uh, uh, you know, after a game, a tough loss, you want to cry, you want to be angry maybe, and how they speak uh, on, on the clip on NBC News, you know, how uh, Gabe Leifer, who won player of the year in the, in the conference, uh, how he speaks about the other team with respect. Um, and um, I think that there's, there's something important to that. Um, that we don't lose the notion of our sportsmanship, of our midos, of how we approach uh, winning. Not just about getting to an end result, but doing it with the, in the Yeshiva University kind of way. Um, and I think that's something that resonates with people. You know, you, you talked about thousands. So, you know, at the final game, we were there together. Uh, it was an away game. And their leading scorer leaned over to our leading scorer late in the game and said, how did you manage to get a home game <laughs> on the road <laughs> on the road during the championships? And, you know, uh, we, we brought a couple thousand people with us. What they didn't know, and we didn't know at the time, was that streaming on Max Live, there were about 27,000 people, 27,000 unique viewers during that time. Pretty amazing. And so when you talk about a front porch for not just the university, but for what we talk about, what we care about, and those kinds of opportunities. Um, it really is a uh, really is a wonderful opportunity, and it allows us to highlight some of the student-athletes and some of the great things that they're doing. Um, you know, Ryan Terrell was a, a rookie this year, and he won Rookie of the Year, mm -hmm. and so we highlighted him in the Los Angeles papers, and uh, there was even bigger news coming out of Los Angeles this week um, that ah, was yes. tweeted out by uh, Eula. yes. Let me ask you a trivia question. How many deans at Yeshiva University went to the Eula Boys High School, graduated from the Eula Boys High School? Well, the only one I can think of now is the new one. <laughs> but who else? Three. Are there three? There are three. Rabbi Yosef Kalinsky was recently announced as the dean of undergraduate Torah studies. Well, yeah. Rabbi Kalinsky was sure. the leader of the OU in Los Angeles sure. for many, many years. Uh, He's moving. Is he in New York? Is he moving to the Yosef, the son. Ah, the his son. His son is the dean. Got it. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Glasser is the dean of the Center for right, the Jewish Future. of course. And now we just announced this week that uh, Dr. Noam Wasserman, coming to us from Harvard, from USC, uh, who's more, you know best-selling books and a wonderful speaker. Old, Brilliant mathematician. Old friend of mine. Old friend of mine as well. Didn't didn't turn him away from coming back to YU. An so. incredible high school basketball scorekeeper. Okay. <laughs> You know more than me. Trust me. I, I once saw him keep track of like 12 assists and 15 rebounds in the same play. Unbelievable. Senior Vice President of Yeshiva University, Josh Joseph. We're in Israel. And um, everybody out there, what can I tell you? We're big YU fans. And the work that, uh, that uh, Yeshiva University is doing out there in our community is to be admired. 
uh, to say the least. Are you gonna make it to the Sarachek tournament at all next are, week? Are you gonna make it to the Sarachek tournament? I hope so. Yeah, I hope at some it's point. Exciting. That's coming up, and uh, you know we have some exciting other things. You know, our, we launched our YU Torah app. Yeah, we, we had we, a whole session with our glasser about that, that on the air. Yeah, and then that we was had great. we had the event on Sunday that uh, that was terrific, and uh, you know now we brought in we brought back home another. One of our sons who had been away, Rabbi uh, Aryeh Leibowitz, right. who was part of it, and we're excited to have him involved. And, you know, just reminding people, basketball is fun, but, uh, you know, Torah also is an important uh, element to what we do. Well, there are a lot of people whose only uh, association, I mentioned this during the interview, whose only association with YU is the YU Torah site and app. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very important uh, venue for Yeshiva University to remind people what they, what they provide to the community. Yeah, I, I think that is. And then, you know, the, the the I guess the only other thing I would say, and I'm looking at Miriam, and she's probably telling us we are close to out of time. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll worry about that. You know, and that's and that's our alumni. Right. And that's people like you. And, um, you know, the chizuk that you give us, uh, our alumni, um, who are out there representing, sometimes nudging, but cajoling and guiding and reminding us of who we are meant to be. Um, that's more important than, uh, than than a lot of the other things we do, and that gives us chizuk, and that gives us the uh, sort of internal uh, wherewithal to keep going. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Well, our pleasure, and it's a, an honor to be known as a YU guy, and that's what uh, most people in the community, how they designate me when it comes to... Uh, uh, educational affiliation. Senior Vice President at Yeshiva University is Josh Joseph. What a pleasure to reunite in Jerusalem. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. More coming up. It's a Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. We are on the road, and NSN on the road in Israel is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. More coming up. Here's Yaakov Shweki at JM in the AM.
שהעצבות נכנעה לשמחה ואין יותר מלחמות להכריע תגידי שלסרטן יש תרופה תגידי לי שמחלתי על אמש תגידי לי שעוד יש לי סיכוי להינצל ולזרוח כשמש תגידי לי שליבך לא כבוי ותבשרי רק תבשרי לי, בשורות טובות, אני לא יכול לשמוע חדשות יותר, בשורות טובות תגידי שהקטנה כבר הולכת, שהכינרת מוצפת עד תום ואלוהים עוד יתק כלפי חסד, תגידי שיש סיכוי לשלום, כי הימין והשמאל מזמן מתו, הביטי סביב, יש רק אנשים, אז בואי נתחיל רק שנינו בינינו, נפסיק להטיף, נפסיק להאשים, ותבשרי לי, בשורות טובות, כמו שרק את יודעת. You just tell me It's good I can't hear זקנים על ספסל בגינה, את תצעירי כל היום מול הטבע, ואני אשרוק לך אותה מנגינה.
America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And we are spending the hour with the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University as um, we explore this amazing institution. And to start things off, an old friend, somebody who I am reuniting with for only the, I don't know, second or third time in the last four decades, and that's Dr. Alan Jotkowitz. Dr. Jotkowitz is the MSIH director. He's the director of the Medical School for International Health. Uh, he has served as deputy director for academic affairs for 10 years. He's a graduate of Yeshiva University, an MD from Yale School of Medicine. My gosh, some of my colleagues have really made it, huh? And he has published over 150 peer-reviewed manuscripts in the fields of internal medicine, medical ethics, Jewish medical ethics, and Jewish thought in prestigious journals. Dr. Jotkowitz, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. It's a pleasure. It's great to be here and reunite. One of the professional highlights of my life. Wow, that's, that, that is one of the greatest <laughs> I have to honestly say. <laughs> one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given, and from an old friend that means even more. An MHS classmate. Imagine that. Some of us really made it, huh? Uh, both of us. Well, I, I would say you certainly. The jury's still out on me. All right. Many people in this audience may not have heard of the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University. Can you give us a good overview for them? Yes, it'd be a pleasure, Nachum. First of all, it's great to be here with you. Um, yeah, we're, we've existed for 20 years. Um, we're a four-year um, international medical school in um, located in Beersheba. Um, most of our students, 80%, come from North America. Um, and again, they usually have a BA. They're graduates from um, universities in America. And they come to Israel and they have a curriculum very similar to an American medical school curriculum, a four-year program. And our programs, everything is, is similar. We prepare them well for the licensing exams, for the USMLE. And then we have a little special niche is that we're a school that concentrates on global health. Um, in addition to preparing for regular medicine, our students are trained um, for global health and cross-cultural medicine. Um, and we have a, a unique, um, in the fourth year, all the students um, spend three months in the developing world in either um, India. We have programs in India, in Nepal, in, um, in Peru, in Mexico City, um, in Africa. And they get to learn what it's like to be a doctor in the developing world. Then our graduates have different career paths. Um, most of them go back to America. We really do well. We have a 100% match rate um, for our students, and they do well on the licensing exams. And a significant minority stay in Israel and decide to develop their medical career in Israel. So there's also a Zionist bent to our medical school. We think that's a great thing if our graduates want to stay. We'll, you'll meet some of them in the next couple of minutes. And it's a great opportunity. It's, very, it's much easier to integrate into the Israeli medical system if you went to medical school here. And that's a snapshot a little bit about our school. Now, the traditional American medical school right. would not include the component that you mentioned about going to Africa, India, or other places that were on the list you just said. Exactly. That's what we give the traditional medical school curriculum, and we add this aspect of global health. And it's really attractive to a lot of students, an opportunity to, um, to practice medicine in, in different settings. Also, the Kiddush Hashem aspect to it, too. You don't know, when I travel around the world, and I go every year to a different program, my wife and I, we go for um, one to two weeks, and we also work in these in these um, hospitals. It's an amazing pleasure, uh, a, 
an honor that we have and the privilege to work. My wife and I were in Iquitos, Peru um, last year. My wife was the first dermatologist ever to be in this hospital in Peru. And we went and we, we saw patients and we, we helped them. And we made, make collaborations. And it's really great PR also, not only for Ben-Gurion University, but also for Israel to show people heard nothing about Israel, maybe just negative things. And we come and we bring medicine there and we create relationships and we bring back doctors, um, um, we have every year doc students and doctors from Ethiopia and Ghana um, coming to our to Ben Gurion University in Beersheba to learn about medicine. So it really creates really nice partnerships. Speaking with Dr. Alan Jotkowitz about the uh, Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University, uh, tell the American audience that uh -huh. gen generally you're speaking. I mean, there are people all around the world listening, obviously, but you know where the bulk of our audience is. Tell them about your experiences in some of the hospitals you've seen in Africa, South America, etc., compared to the hospital care that they are getting in a country like the United States or even in Israel? That's a great question, Nachum. That's really, and I really, until I started, the, I'm, I feel honored to have this job. I'm living a dream, I have to say. Maybe you're leaving a dream too, but I'm living a dream to be able to live in Israel, to practice medicine, to be a dean of a medical school, to, and also to have this aspect of, of Kiddush Hashem and Tikkun Olam to go out in these places. Well, just two points. The first point is very medicine in Israel and America is very similar. Um, um, the level of care is... I thought when I came that that it would be difficult, but the transition for me personally as a doctor was much easier than I thought. What year was that? You transitioned... I, 2000, I, started, I started working at Soroka um, in January 1st, 2002. Okay. It's a funny story of time. But... Um, and so I've been here almost 20 years. And the transit, I thought I had a problem with Hebrew, but interestingly, most of my patients speak Arabic or Russian. So I prepared <laughs> for months for Hebrew. And then, um, so, um, so that, but the level of medicine, the care is very similar between uh, America and Israel. But when you go to these developing countries, it's, it's just it's just a different world, what you see. And then the inequality in healthcare, it's, um, I mean, I was just in Mexico City um, a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. And, um, before patients get treatments, they have to go to the window. There's this window, like you're ordering from like... Um, um, from a fast food place. Exactly, a fast food place. And you have to pay for your blood test and pay for the x-ray. And if you don't have the money, and pay for the antibiotic. If you don't have it, you don't get the treatment. Just, that's just the level they're on. And then we were in a Peru, a Quito's Peru, and we went to see this hospital. And they have this beautiful... Um, neonatal intensive care unit that someone donated, I think through the, um, I'm not sure wh where the donor organization was, they have this modern equipment that's on the level of American, but they, but they had no doctors who knew how to use the equipment. So they, they had the equipment, but they had no ability um, to use the equipment. So with that visit, we're working on arranging a doctor um, from Beersheba, a neonatal expert, to go to Quito's Peru to teach them how to use the equipment. And we're in this negotiation relationship, and they're so thankful of us that someone's able to, to help them in that situation. So I was going to ask you, tell yes. me something that we have in hospitals that you never saw in a hospital in the Far East. The truth, truth is, all you have to tell the people listening is that we've been to hospitals that simply didn't have the personnel that you need to operate the equipment that they have there, which right. is unbelievable. And 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 right, and then the equipment is right is that's just a, on on that level. Right. But um, I mean, this town of Quito's Peru, it's fascinating. Where where I went there, my wife and I, the only way to get there is by boat um, to get there. <laughs> the Amazon River, it's on the 
and I'll tell you a really funny story. So my wife and I were in Iquitos, Peru. We were visiting the students where they do rotations there. And um, we took all the doctors and hospitals and the, and the, and the students out, um, out for lunch at a vegetarian restaurant. Um, and then um, I'm going to pay with my credit card. And the waitress comes to me and says, um, are you from Israel? I said, what do you mean? How do you know? She said, I see on your credit card. She says, and she goes and tells me, my best friend is in Israel now. I said, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of the Amazon. What? <laughs> and she says, oh, and there's, a, and there's a Jewish house of prayer down the road. Now, there's no Chabad in the Quitos, Peru. They knew, I said, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't. Fine, we, we leave it. The next day, we're walking with one of the doctors, and we see something called Cohen's Furniture Store. So we walk in, and we meet Mr. Cohen, and I tell him the story. He says, oh, yeah, we have a Beit Knesset behind the store, hidden. I have this giant Beit Knesset behind my store, and Friday night we have davening, and I walk down there, and they have a Sefer Torah, and they have Sidurim in the middle of the Amazon. Chabad's never been there. We went to Lima, Peru. They barely know about this existence, and they have a minion every Friday night. So where did Jews get to Kilos, Peru? Unbelievable. Because there was a rubber boom 100 years ago. In, in, in the Amazon. So some Jewish people came from Poland and Russia and they started and they made roots and there's a community. So when you go on these adventures and travels, you get to sort of do this. And again, the relationships we make with these hospitals um, creates really goodwill for Israel, a good Kiddush Hashem. And I have these relationships with doctors that, that we continue on through... Um, through now you do a lot of medicine through WhatsApp through email and I consult they send me cases we talk about so it's really fascinating experience. what was the how, how many graduates are there Wait, we, we have about uh, that are in a place like the ah, city in Peru oh, so that's an excellent question so we have we've existed for 20 years um, we have um, more than 500 graduates and then Eric was just telling me, he was just telling me the story. Eric, and you'll meet, one of our alumni is the head of vaccines, is in charge of vaccines for the Israel. So he works with the CDC in America and the, and the WHO. They had, and they World worked Health. World Health Organization on vaccines all over the world. The head of vaccines. It's a big topic, by the way, in our community right now. Right. Vaccines, and yeah. maybe we could talk about yeah. that. But yes, it's a major pr- problem topic. Yeah. But one of the top people in the WHO in vaccines is a graduate of our school. And one of the top people in the CDC right. who deals with vaccines is a graduate. And Eric, and they were, were, were talking about each other. And they realized they were all alumni of our school. Mm-hmm. So a significant percent are, are working all over the world in, 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 in Africa and in India. Um, the head of, of the. One of the graduates of our school is the head of the health care for all the migrants who are coming in from, from Mexico. He's in charge of all the health care for them. So they're all over the world. Are, and then one of them is doing um, repairs on women who have um, who have um, who have fistulas after childbirth. Um, they have difficult childbirth, so she travels trying to correct them. Again, we have a lot of stories about it. And it's really a, a nice opportunity. And then a lot of our alumni then are working in, in medicine in America and then they on the side they travel a couple of weeks a year to the, I think that's an obligation of every doctor to do something like that and then a lot of our alumni also stay in Israel and they make a career there uh, the four month program that's required yes right? uh, three that, months three months that yeah. takes place when that's right in the fourth grad- year no it's oh, in the in, fourth during year the fourth in year. the fourth year it's two to three months right. it depends every year so it's that's before flexible. graduation exactly before and they look at and then but we have we learn about um, global health um in the whole curriculum, we have courses. We prepare the students. We don't just send them. Like you can't just send students. You have to prepare them because it's interesting. They see a lot of difficult things. Um, they see patients who would. It, it's it's not easy for a medical student. They see 
They see babies who would get treated in America, but there's no resources to get them treated in, in these places, and they don't have money for it. So when you see these things, it also changes you as a person. That I, mean, I really think it's important. You're a different type of doctor when you see these things. A different type of doctor and a different type of person. Right. People say it's like a transformative experience in your life. For me, certainly. I had no idea. I, again, I have this job. that I, I, It's funny how life is. I A dream was always to come to Israel. I come to Israel. I ended up in Beersheba working as a doctor for whatever reason. I get involved in this medical school, and now I travel around the world, um, and I have students who travel around the world. And again, this wasn't part of the plan, but that's the way sometimes works with Aliyah. It is amazing. Last thing. Yes. Um, there are people listening, yes. and there are parents of people yes. listening yeah. who, who would be interested, who are likely yes. hearing about this for the first time. Pro- yeah. uh, there's a four-year medical program exactly. the way you described it in Israel. Exactly. How should they follow up and get information? Oh, thanks, Lach. Um, I think just check our, our website, MSIH. Um, just type in MSIH to Google and you'll get to our New York office. We have two offices. We have an office in Beersheba, and anyone who's interested, I get a lot of listeners come from New York, I think. So we have an office in New York that handles a lot of our, and just type in MSH to Google, and they get all the information. And we have people, I don't know, who can, um, who can, um, who can answer their, any questions they have. Excellent. Thank you, Nachum. A pleasure to it's, reunite. It's really been a great pleasure. Dr. Thank you Alan Jotkowitz, the director of the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University. And now, if you thought I know Dr. Jotkowitz a long time, now I get to speak to uh, somebody I know even longer. And that is the legendary Dr. Shimon Glick, who is uh, here. And I, I, Dr. Glick, I am honored that you that you came to join us here today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. You, of course, know that uh, Hannah Shapira was my aunt. That's right, not, uh, right. She helped us significantly, as she did to all American Olim in Beersheba. So we have a close relationship. Derech HaMeshacharim. Right. Yeah, that's the place. Uh, Dr. Glick is the, uh, the Medical School for International Health co-chair of the Admissions Committee. He is, uh, of course, we and we've spoken, the last time we spoke on the air, you had just received the Bonet Zion Prize okay. from Nefesh Benefesh in recognition of everything right. you had done. You are somebody who, just a moment ago, we were talking about differences in hospitals and medical facilities between other parts of the world um, and uh, the United States and Israel. You, you could speak about how different things are today in Israel compared to the 1970s. Your career in Israel began in the mid-70s, right. correct? Right, What were things like then in the field of medicine and when it came to hospitals and medical schools? Well, first of all, Israel is very foremost and, and very progressive in, in medicine. In fact, in many respects, better than the United States. Wow. Because nobody bankrupts as a result of illness in, in Israel, whereas the major cause of private bankruptcy in the United States is illness. Right. Uh, so that... <clears throat> <clears throat> Coming from the States, you think, oh, we were great and we're going to come teach the natives. It turns out that as much as we teach them, we learn from them. And uh, in fact, we have uh, one of the people who was speaking today is a family physician now in Israel. And people come from all over the world now to see the system of computerization and connection in the Israeli National Health Service so that we we're nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, obviously, when we came to, to Be'er Sheva, to Soroka, the emergency room, like, had three, four beds. <laughs> we now have the busiest emergency room in Israel with an unbelievable number of patients coming in every day. Right, and serving, and I would serving, guess, the largest serving area the of largest Israel. the largest area, half of Israel. Right. In fact, I, I always tell everybody that Be'er Sheva is the center of Israel. Right. People don't realize that. North, south, east, west, that's the center of Israel. Right. So when I was a dean and I was telling a group of Russian olim, 
you're great, you're coming to the center of Israel. <laughs> and a guy in the front row says, yes, and Siberia is the center of the Soviet <laughs> Union. That was one of the most famous put-downs <laughs> that I ever received. He was right. <laughs> well, Ben-Gurion's dream was to really put the people down in the Negev, and little by little, we're getting there. Right. Now, uh, when, I, when we got there, there was a... 12-story building was a skyscraper. Now they're talking about a 50-story building, and the the city has developed. Jobs have come in. uh, High-tech has come in. It's it's a new world. I mean, it's a real metropolis. No question about that. So is this is the medical school at Ben Gurion University? I mean, this all you saw this entire thing develop. Uh, I mean, you've been with the university and with Soroka and medicine in that area of the country for all these decades. That's at, correct. At some point, the medical school, I assume, became an outgrowth of all of that. The med- I, the medical school began in 1974. I got to Israel July 1974, and the first class entered. And we have one of our graduates here now. Wow. And uh, this was a, a really revolutionary medical school. It was not because they needed doctors. At that time, there was a surplus of doctors in Israel. Right. But we decided, not we, the people who created the school, I was involved with that, to create a different kind of medical doctor, a doctor who looked at the human being, looked at the patient, looked at his community. That was the whole thing. We taught, you taught the doctor-patient communication in the first year. Students didn't meet the the first patient in the anatomy lab as a corpse, but they met the first patient in the geriatrics ward in the community in the hospital. It's a completely different different attitude, and we selected our people that way, and and we have data which show that our graduates are very much desired in every hospital in Israel, and they're completely identifiable by the way they talk to people, by the way they care for the families. It's a whole new revolution, hmm. and this international school right. basically is an outgrowth it's a, it's like a a natural thing that has come out of this and we were the first school in the world basically that has global medicine as part of its original uh, integral curriculum so you meet plenty of students from the united states yes other parts of the world as well yes we've had two students from tibet at the request of the dalai lama uh, we had one <laughs> one uh, young lady who was a who was a helicopter pilot in the American Army in Iraq, a fighter pilot, okay? We had a couple of guys from Minnesota, a guy from Minnesota who was a failed farmer, and he came to Beersheba, and he grew corn in his backyard in Beersheba, and we used to have a corn fest every year. So we have a very fascinating group of people. Uh, the state of medicine today, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, the consensus among most is that if you're looking for good medical treatment, Israel is equal to the United States. I, I think you'd agree with that based yeah, on what you said earlier. Yes, but there, there, I mean, obviously if you go to the mail, there are certain areas Specialties. of so really top, you know, very highly specialized thing, which you, you can't beat the United States in that. Right. We're not competing with that. Right, although there are people who come from around the world specifically to Israeli yeah, hospitals right. for the same Yeah, right, that's reason, correct, right? yeah. But I, I think we have to be be fair. And is there a, 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 a again, with with your facility and, and the city of Beersheba now being a center, a medical center that is servicing such a large area, is there a shortage of medical facilities in Israel? Is there a need to build more? Yes, yes, yes. We have a terrible shortage. We have the, the almost the lowest number of hospital beds per population of the OEC countries. We just haven't invested into it. The government has a lot of other priorities. And we're behind in the total number of beds, far behind. Uh, we're also behind now in, in number of physicians, okay? Believe it or not. We used to have a surplus. When this, yeah. uh, but people get old. 
as you can see. When Rabbi Fass <laughs> was on earlier today, yeah. he mentioned that because there's so much uh, matriculation, I guess we'll call it, among the Russian Olim, that that generation of doctors is that's now right. not yeah. going to be servicing the public yeah. anymore, right. and they have to be replaced. Absolutely. And yeah. that's why he's encouraging, as right. are many, more North American aliyah among, that's correct. among yeah. medical doctors. An experience you had, you've been you've been asked to visit the United States to, uh, to speak to people, I know. Yeah, we, um, we, we, we would like to see more people coming from the United States. We'd love to see more medical students come from the United States. I think we have a unique program to offer. Uh, just being in Beersheba and meeting the population that we have in Beersheba, it's almost globalized medicine in Beersheba. Right. We have uh, Syrians and Ethiopians and Russians and Bedouins. It's a fascinating uh, collection of people that the, that the students are exposed to. And how do we get more of the graduates to stay in Israel? Because a lot of the graduates do go to other areas of well, the world afterwards, right? The original plan of the med- of MSIH now right. was not to have people stay in Israel. Because at the, when they was created, they thought there was a surplus. Mm-hmm. Now, as usual, always out of phase. <laughs> and not just in Israel, but every country, the, the experts tell you we're having a shortage or we're having a surplus. By the time the, the facts come in, the situation is reversed. But we now have an increasing number of, in each class, a number of students end up staying in Israel. And they've made an important contribution in Israel, too. I can imagine. And uh, I'm sure you would encourage anybody who's considering Absolutely. a medical career yeah. to certainly I consider I think that's a great opportunity for, for a young Jewish Zionist boy in the United States to come to this kind of institution and study medicine here. He'd get much more than just medicine. He'd get a real understanding of human beings, an understanding of different cultures. We train people to be able to be culturally sensitive. And the program is, is similar. I always thought that in the United States it was longer than a four-year program, but I guess the residencies and all the different types of, uh, of um, uh, parts to the medical career um, – well, I, I assume they, that the students go through all that as well, right? No, no, the, the, we, the American schools have undergraduate college, right. and they have four-year program, right. okay? This is the same thing for the MSIH. The Israelis, up till now, have had six-year program that's before they go right from high school or right from the army. They're now developing four-year programs in Israel as well. So it's identical to what we have yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on. I hope your family's doing well. We're doing very well, thank Baruch God. Hashem. Yeah, we're expecting our 87th great-grandchild this week. So, And you're being accurate with the count. My wife keeps me up to date, and we have a computer. <laughs> you, you need one in that case, let me tell you. We certainly do. Baruch Hashem. Thank Baruch you. Hashem. Great to see you. Uh, Dr. Glick, of course, a, a legend when it comes to uh, the medical profession here in Israel, and uh, someone I'm proud to know since I'm a little kid, uh, and whose uh, family has always been uh, amazing. He has some great people uh, in his family. We have uh, two students here with us. We have two students here with us of the um, uh, Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University. Uh, one is Yosef Landau, the class of 2021. Thank you for joining me here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, you're originally from? Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Australia, and uh, tell me about your education. You graduated high school in Australia? So I graduated high school in Australia. And then went to college where? I went to college in, back in Melbourne, Australia. I was in Yeshiva first for three years here. Right. And then um, it was time to decide where to go to medical school. Yeah. So I really enjoyed my place here, in, like being here in Yeshiva and being close to my BAME. I had a lot of friends here. I really wanted to come back and sort of be close to that environment. So, um, Do you live yeah. in Beersheba while you go to school? I actually live in Ophel Kim. But, uh, Not that bad. Yeah, it's, it's about half an hour bus right. ride every day. 
Oh, very interesting. Wow. And uh, Shana Miodanik is here, class of 2022. Welcome to you. Thank you. What's your background? Me. A pleasure. Where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Queens, New York. There you go. And then I came to Israel in 2010. Right. Um, I went to seminary here for the year, did Shirut Lumi. I stayed in Israel. I did my undergrad and my master's in Bar Ilan University in the center. And then spent a couple of years, and now I'm in Ben-Gurion University. Very nice. Site. All right, here's the question, and I hope nobody here takes offense to this question. Is there pressure, especially you, because you're from the U.S., is there pressure from friends and relatives to go to medical school in the United States? Because there's this impression that medical school in the U.S., I don't know what it's like in Australia, you know, cannot be beat by any other institution in the world. What was the reaction when it was revealed that you're going to be going to medical school here in Israel? Um, actually, I have a lot of support from my entire family and all my friends in America. They weren't entirely surprised as I've been in Israel for several years. Um, and studying Israel was my number one choice. Um, I do have cousins in medical schools in America, and I have aunts and uncles who are doctors. And um, I think they're really excited for me. And I think that they wish that they could also be here. And they know school. that this institution is as good, if not better, than, than they the They work ones. with MSIH, um, like students who go to do their right. residencies. My uncle is in Maimonides Medical Center oh. and he works with residents who've come from MSAH and they have alumni there who have some, um, like who are in different positions. And my uncle who works with MSAH students only has amazing things to say about the students who've come from here. Wow, so, so when really we say that, the, uh, that they go to far-flung places, even Brooklyn, huh? <laughs> Pretty amazing. Even Brooklyn. Very nice. And uh, how is the academic load so far? Is it a, is it a difficult... Uh, course load to get through medical school. I can only imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't last a day. So how would you describe it, Shada? <laughs> so far, so good. It's not so bad. I'm only my first year. I don't know. Second year, I think, might uh, be more intense from what oh, I Oh, is understand. that the tradition that the second year is uh, a what? big hurdle? Second year. We study for the USMLE, the boards. Uh, so, so you're doing course. regular coursework and that at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So it's the big boards. USMLE <laughs> covers everything on the first and second year. So that sounds exciting. Like <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. And uh, and we have and we all help each other, you know, so it's really... Um, oh, you must meet a lot of colleagues from everywhere, I would guess, right? What do you mean? In terms of other students who are from other areas of the world, the U.S. and Israel, and obviously... Yeah, we have students. Like a real melting pot, I would guess. Yeah, absolutely. We have students from all over, um, a few from Israel as well, right. and then from different, so many different countries. We have from um, Australia, we have from Europe, we have from um, America, Canada, and uh, and we all, you know, it's a, maybe a hard workload, but we all kind of um, help each other. We study together. We test each other. And it really makes it easier. And the English speaker who's worried about a language barrier, I would assume all of it, if not most of it's in English, right? All of it's in English. And then from the very first day, we start getting um, lessons in Hebrew, medical uh -huh. Hebrew Ulpan. And now in our, I'm in my second semester now, we start going to the wards. We interview patients in Hebrew to start getting used to that. So that in third year, when we do start doing our rounds in the, in the hospital itself, we'll feel much more comfortable. Um, and in addition, there's also Arabic Ulpan. Like we said, there's a lot of um, not just Of course, you Hebrew need to, at least basic words you need, if yeah. not more, right? Especially in Beersheba, where there's so many right. different communities and so many different... Um, Languages that are being spoken in Soroka, it's really nice to have as many languages that you can So have. when it comes to medical terms, you don't just, uh, it, it's it's not English words that sound like Hebrew. Well, it's, those it's are the hardest words, actually. Those are the harder <laughs> ones? Those are the hard <laughs> ones. You have to remember that it's actually English <laughs> in an Israeli accent that you're trying to interpret. Right, I, I'd ask you the funniest term that you've heard translated, but I don't know if you're prepared for that. But uh. I don't know. I think recently, even we just did inhalatia, which is inhalation, which you get for asthma. Inhalatia. And it's the same word. It's just you have to remember that it's English that, and Hebrew. I'm going to keep that in mind. 
I did a Lazio. Uh, so Yosef, uh, so, and you also, I would assume, do you have other colleagues from Australia? Do you have a? Uh, um, there's actually someone from Australia who um, who's in my class, but I never knew him from Australia. <laughs> He's from funny. Sydney. I'm from Melbourne. Yeah. We don't really know. And you appreciate the melting pot, all the different people. Yeah, I actually love it. I really enjoy it. I I spent quite a bit of time in America as well, so I met people who were from Baltimore and people like where I was. I was initially with No You Soul. Mm. Um, so I met people who were affiliated with No You Soul. People who um, are from pretty New- good medical school in that area, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> That's good as house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The quote of the day. <laughs> There's actually... Um, Let Mike Bloomberg know that this school's <laughs> better than, than Hopkins. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, uh, Professor Glick was um, talking about like how like the focus on um, how relating to, t- relating to patients. Right. So one of the doctors I used to shadow when I was in Baltimore, um, he's actually an alumni of MSH, maybe uh, Professor Jokowitz will remember, uh, Dov Frankel, yeah. Unbelievable. So he's an emergency physician and I shadowed him and... Like in an emergency setting, you see a lot of people who, um, for the first time, you're not seeing these people regularly. So I, I actually, compl- like I, afterwards, like I sort of like complimented him, like the, his patients were really comfortable with him. I was like, hey, how, do, how do you have that bedside manner? He's like, oh, that's from Ben-Gurion. So. Unbelievable. There you have yeah, it. So. All right. The proof's in the pudding. People are crediting <laughs> the school for the uh, attitudes that they have when they take care of people in the field of medicine. Can't get a better uh, approbation than that. Uh, Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University. Yosef Landau, the class of 2021. Good luck with those boards. <laughs> Thank you. What <laughs> month does that take place in? Uh, we're taking that at the end of July. Wow. In English? Uh, yeah, in English. There you go. Oh, it's an international <laughs> test? I mean, you can sit it. It's uh, it's an American test, but you sit it in Israel or you sit right. it anywhere. If you'd go back to be a doctor in Australia, would they recognize that test? And, yeah. Uh, and uh, Shana Miodanik, the class of 2022, continue good luck to you. Thank you very much. And best to all your colleagues at the uh, Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Uh, all right, we're going to continue with more coming up. Our friends from Ben Gurion University and the Medical School for International Health. We have more people to meet on this Thursday morning broadcast. I do remind you that NSN on the road is brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take uh, Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for your Pesach needs. And Beth Chester is going to be at the who will meet coming up. Uh, will be at the uh, from MSIH is going to be at the mega event this Sunday in Teaneck, New Jersey, with our friends from Nefesh Benefesh, an opportunity not only to speak to us there, but to meet people who want to go to medical school at this wonderful facility in Israel. So that's all coming up on Sunday at the mega event in Teaneck, New Jersey. Meanwhile, we have some music for you. This is JM in the AM.
a.m. in the a.m. <laughs> uh, Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us, and we're laughing because uh, we make a habit of making fake Aliyah every year with Nevesh Benefesh. But she says she was upset that we didn't make the fake Aliyah when she moved to Israel. I guess we missed that flight. One of the only ones we've missed over the years. Oh, you do one a summer. Yeah. You, you know the routine, I see. We can't get away with anything with you. Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us. Class of 2007 of the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Currently a family uh, medicine physician for Klalit in Yud Aleph, Israel. What does that mean, Yud Aleph, Israel? The neighborhoods in Beersheba, yeah. uh, when they started out, they named them Aleph, Bet, Gimel. So the number 11 neighborhood is where I practice. What were we, Dr. Glick? <laughs> what neighborhood number were we in Beersheba and Derech HaMashacharim? Aleph? Wow. It's, the very, the it very separates Hay and Aleph. That's Got actually it. where we both live, across the street from each other. Very cool. Nice neighborhood. Lovely. Uh, I know it well. Um, so you, when did you decide to go to this medical school uh, after your collegiate career? Uh, well, actually, um, I was saying uh, on the way here, we were reminiscing that uh, I had a classmate from Columbia when I was an undergrad at Columbia who right. was in the second class. Um, and she uh, had selected me for the volunteer ambulance when I was at undergrad at Columbia. And so she had trained me on the ambulance. And then when I came, it came time to apply to medical school, she was finishing up here. And so um, I came and visited with her when I was here visiting family. And she showed me around and uh, introduced me to the director. And I was sold. Were there a lot of Americans here at that time in the uh, medical school? Well, so I was the sixth graduating class. Uh, so at that point when I visited, they um, the school was about, I guess, about 30 students per class at that time. So there were, there were about 100 and something students here at that time. Now, assuming that what Dr. Jotkowitz described earlier was tradition back then as well, where did you spend your two, three, four months uh, in some different area of the world. So I actually, um, I had decided I was recently married and um, my husband had already made Aliyah. So for us, for our family, it, it made more sense to stay in Israel. Right. And so I actually did mine right in Beersheba and I worked with uh, a physician named Mohammed Murad, who's an uh, Israeli Arab, and he worked with a lot of Bedouins. And so I actually worked with him with the Bedouin population. Um, and I actually wrote a research paper which was published on uh, injuries, pediatric injuries in the Bedouin population. Why, so. why unique to there? Do they have injuries that... Uh either at a rate or a different type than so we were other communities. So we were wouldn't? characterizing the injuries. And one of the things that we were looking at is, um, you know, it's actually amazing to see the difference in the Bedouin population over the last 15 years since I wrote that paper. But um, we were looking at, um, you know, they had injuries at that time that they, they would have um, fires in their homes that they were still cooking mm. on, a you know, as a cultural thing on a campsite. And so right. they would have injuries related to fires. They would have, I had a, in my case study, I had an injury of a kid who fell off a donkey. You know, so things that, um, <laughs> that you know, if we would use American pediatric preventative medicine techniques and we do you know we teach parents in the states about how to prevent injuries wear a seatbelt, put locks on your cabinets you know all these things that we teach parents they're not applicable to a population that is living in a totally different cultural norm and so we were looking at what kinds of things were, were coming in and, and did they come to the primary care physician first or did they go to the ER directly and uh, so those were the some and, and then we looked at birth order and um, family size was it related to bigger families meant parents were paying less attention or maybe bigger families meant parents had experience and they'd already learned when their first kid fell off the donkey and so by the eighth very kid, they knew interesting how to very it. interesting and, and obviously what you meant by the comment that 15 years later it's so different is because they've become more advanced and it's and, and, it's and i don't mean complicated technology i mean just basic technology has now gotten into their homes so. uh, it's incredible to see how the bedouin population in beersheba has um, also flourished with beersheba flourishing so have the bedouins and they've become upwardly mobile and we actually my husband and i lived together as newlyweds in beersheba and then went back to the states for nine years and when we came back one of the first things that really stood out to us was how middle class the Bedouins had become 
time when we'd go to restaurants, we'd sit there and 50% of the customers would be Bedouin and 50% would be Jewish and everybody was sitting in the restaurant together enjoying their dinner. And uh, that was something we noticed as a change while we were gone. Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us as we talk about the uh, Medical School for International Health. Ben Gurion University. What's the makeup of your practice now? Is it also 50-50? How would you describe it? Actually, so the neighborhood that I'm in is um, was built in the 70s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a lot of um, Russian immigrants who came in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of older Russian immigrants who have basic Hebrew. Um, some of them may, may not read in Hebrew, but they um, but they speak conversationally because the ones who don't speak Hebrew, and there are quite a few who still don't really speak Hebrew, oh, wow. they go to the Russians because we have five Russian doctors. Out of the eight attending physicians in my practice, five of them speak Russian. Sure. So, <laughs> so I, I tend to get the ones who uh, speak Hebrew. Um, but I also have, um, I think, I'm not sure the exact number, but I think about 20 or 30%, maybe even 40, um, that are Ethiopian immigrants who have come over the last 20 years. Um, and that's actually a fascinating population to work with, especially with my background from the Medical School for International Health, because um, actually a lot of them don't even read or write in, in Amharic or Tigrit, their, their native languages. So they're totally illiterate, and it totally changes the way I um, relate to them. One of the things I love to do is to give printed material to patients to go home with so that they can remember the things I said, or maybe I don't have you know time to say they come in for a common cold. And instead of, I don't want to give them an antibiotic because they don't need an antibiotic. It's contraindicated. But I, I want them to go home feeling like I treated them. So I, I often print out information about how to manage cold symptoms and, um, and when to come back. The problem is they can't read the information, right. even if I give it. To, so sometimes I translate, Google translated it into Amhari. So sometimes I give it to them in Amhari and hope somebody in the house reads. Um, sometimes I just have to spend more time and just explain to them. But it really it changes entirely how I manage my patients. I would suspect, and not that I know that much about medicine, but I would suspect that people from a population like theirs would not trust doctors as much as educated people, those who know how to read, etc. Would you encounter that a lot where you might want to do a basic procedure or something what we would consider normal to do to test a child for something and they're very suspicious of what's going on? Um, I would say that, first of all, you have to remember that most of the patients I'm treating have been in Israel right. for already several several even decades. They did so that transition already. They've done some of that transition. I think the more the more distrust comes from the idea that we kind of blow off. They have a feeling that they're discriminated against. And so they feel like we don't take them seriously. We don't really care. And so I definitely have spent a lot of energy. Um, you know, it's a primary care practice. So I see the same patients, the same families over and over again. Right. Um, so I have spent a lot of energy trying to build trust with them and make sure that they feel that I'm really listening to them, that I really care, that I speak to their children on the phone to make sure to help. I use, uh, when I have 70, 80, 90-year-old Ethiopians which I do, I call their 40-year-old children who speak fluent Hebrew, and I explain to them too so that we are all um, communicating together. Um, and actually, they pay me huge compliments, like saying they feel like I'm their mother, and these are 80-year-old <laughs> men telling me I'm their mother. I, I, apparently, it's some cultural expression that hasn't quite translated. <laughs> uh, well, not very different than other cultures where where when you're taking care of an elderly parent, very often the doctor will be in touch with you directly because the elderly parent, again, either has suspicions or is not happy with the care for whatever reason, you know, not sometimes elderly people could be a little bit unreasonable, you know, things like that. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Freeman, here's your, where are you from in the United States? Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie? Actually Beacon, but nobody has ever heard of it. Is that near Brewster? Where is that? It's north. North of Brewster? Yeah, it's about, Beacon is 60 miles north of New York City. Here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity to speak to the young women who are in this audience uh, who are considering going to medical school or considering this type of career or considering uh, practicing medicine somewhere in the world, somewhere on this globe, 
once they've completed their studies? What would you tell them about MISH? I, I very much struggled, actually, as a young woman graduating in Columbia. I struggled with the idea of, is that... MSIH, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I struggled with that. Is it an appropriate role for me? Is that what I, how I wanted to build my life? Would I have time to be a, a mother and, and uh, a partner? And um, and actually, I feel incredibly fulfilled at this point. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm 41 this year. I have three children. I have a wonderful husband who's extremely supportive. And I really feel like I, I, I'm so blessed to go... We all go to work every day. And to go to work and do something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy joy that's fun is is an incredible gift and uh, and thank God I think one of the major stumbling blocks we had in coming back to Israel and, and envisioning ourselves staying in Israel was was financial and we thought that as a doctor I wouldn't make money and the truth is I'm making pretty darn close to what I was making in the states which blows my mind regularly and uh, we feel incredibly blessed that we um, that we're able to build a life here and that I'm able to do something that I'm passionate about and make a difference and other young women out there who are absolutely who are considering it, they you would encourage them to check out this path. Particularly because I chose family medicine, I'm home every night. I have two evening calls a week where I work until seven, and then the the rest of the evenings I'm home for dinner, and I don't take call. I'm not on, I don't work on Shabbos, although we do have the neighbors have discovered us, and now they show up on Shabbos all the time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there's some people in the U.S. that have made an industry out of that, you know, <laughs> being being available and no one else's. No kidding. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, well, well, a couple of things we learned. Uh, number one, as you just described it, you could have fun being a primary care physician. I, I never it. knew. I knew you could have fun doing radio. I had no clue you could have fun <laughs> being a primary care physician. And you uh, discovered that we did miss your Aliyah flights. So I apologize for that. It's okay. This, this makes up for it. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Dr. Alyssa Friedman, everybody. Amazing. Great graduate of, um, of the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. And I thank her very, very much for being here today among our special guests during this hour of JM and the AM. And Dr. Eric Haas is with us from the class of 2002. Shalom, yes. welcome to you. Thanks. Where are you from originally? I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Nice. And then your education? I was in the you- first class of MSIH, the very first class, graduated 2002. I, I would think that that way it might, uh, it, it might get someone to hesitate to join a first-year program. How did, how um, did you... Uh... People have told me I have an adventurous uh, spirit. <laughs> and it worked uh, out, huh? It was definitely an adventure, um, but I don't regret it. And how did that happen? Like, how were you even aware of the fact that this school was opening and that the program was going to become a real program? Um, I was looking for different medical schools. I considered programs programs in the States. And uh, to be honest with you, I saw Professor Glick on uh, the interview and something just clicked. He has a way the, about that, huh? I think he does, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, what, uh, and you're a specialist in pediatrics. I'm, uh, uh, infectious diseases. Triple boarded. Public health, meaning all these different areas, mm-hmm. your expertise. And mm-hmm. are you... Are you in Beersheba? Where are you? I live in Beersheba. I married a Beersheba girl, Israeli. Wow, that's pretty. We have cool. six children. And are you? And where are you working? This all. And happens? I work in Jerusalem. I'm the head of immunizations for the Ministry of Health. Wow. So that oh, this is and this is who Dr. Dratkus was referring yeah. to earlier. You know that your your area of study is a very uh, is a is a much discussed area these days. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. Uh, could we get your expert opinion on on vaccinations and uh, um, yeah. and its importance? Not a problem. Um, First of all, I think that vaccinations have a lot to do with uh, global health and public health in general. Right. Um, I Just uh, to make keep it short, um, I think vaccination is one of the most important decisions a parent can make for their children, and they have a key role in uh, promoting and preventing uh, promoting health and preventing disease. 
And uh, so it's really important to vaccinate. I hope all of your listeners uh, internalize that message. Well, I know all don't, frankly, and uh, it's become a major issue. And why do you think now? Why do you think we're in an environment where this has become such a – such a, I don't want to say controversial, but I don't know what other word to use, has been such a you know, much talked about topic these days. I think it's fair to say that it's controversial. Um, uh, vaccines are different than most uh, areas of medicine, where if you have a successful vaccination program, you stop seeing the disease that you're vaccinated against. So yeah. whereas our parents and grandparents knew what polio was and knew what measles was and maybe knew what diphtheria was, um, we and our children don't know that. So now you're doing a medical intervention for a disease that you might never have heard of or might never have seen or think that you're not actually at risk for getting. However, the controversy is that when you stop vaccinating even small proportions of the population, you're at risk for outbreaks. And that's Are you at the forefront of this battle in Israel or you are able to stay away from the politics of this whole debate? Um, I, I work in the Division of Epidemiology, and I'm in charge of all vaccine-preventable diseases and vaccines, so right. I'm very much involved. No, but, right, but meaning that you uh, – it, 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 is it your department that is demanding all the schools, all the uh, institutions, all the doctors, you know, hop on the vaccination bandwagon? Uh, we write the vaccine recommendations, so and they have to be followed. I think those it's are fair guidelines, um, not guidelines. There's a law, I, I assume. There, right? there, there's no law for mandatory vaccination ah. in Israel. For healthcare workers, there's certain areas that they're not allowed to work in if they're not vaccinated. Um, we are considering making it a law in Israel. Um, our vaccination rates are very high without the law, or without there being a law. So uh, we're considering the various logistic uh, challenges of implementing a, a new law. Tell me about the challenge of being in the first graduating class of a new medical school. Um, I definitely think that we sort of didn't know, we didn't have the same track record that the, um, the students have now. So we weren't sure, we thought we were um, learning the same things that we needed to be learning if we were in school in the States. Um, we had the um, uh, benefit of being able to um, impact the curriculum and sort of give input to teachers. So in the average medical school in the States, you don't talk to your dean and give him feedback <laughs> on how he's doing. But in our school, um, we do that. Like, And I think that's still very much part of the school, that um, that communication is open. And that fits with what uh, uh, Professor Glick talked about, about the doctor who's not just a physician, but also a person. Um, so we definitely had a lot more ability to impact our studies. Um, I can tell you that when we went back to the States, other than um, pronouncing uh, various uh, medical words with an Israeli accent. You like my observation about yeah, that. Huh? Um, um, nobody ever gave us the impression that we didn't know as much or that we weren't as good. Um, the opposite. Um, we, everyone told us that they knew that Israel had a high standard of care. And when you see what other people learned and how they operated, we only had um, advantages. Um, mm-hmm. For example, um, people have told me and uh, other graduates that our ability to take an interview translated is vastly superior to um, most American medical graduates, despite the diversity that they all have. Um, that's something that we learn what's called from day one. All right, listen. Absolutely. As somebody who's in government, you are the right person to ask this question. You know how the world is constantly looking to Israel for to solve their problems. Water problems in Africa. Um, the, the people from the Far East are coming to Israel to invest in Israeli companies, and to not solve a problem, but to hop aboard the technological boom that Israel has created. Are there countries that officially are turning to Israel for medical help, that officially turn to Israel for either their medical technology or their, um, or their expertise when it comes to certain areas of medicine? 
Um, I believe that there are. Um, I can't give you too many details. I can tell you that in the world of vaccines, which is right. um, That's my your basic world, world um, um, other countries look to see which vaccines we've put it, we've uh, incorporated into our system. They know that if we've sort of, you know, uh, gone with a certain vaccine, then the the intellectual and the um, the medical knowledge is there. So I, I do think we're a leader in various medical specialties and um, there's sort of the innovative and adventurous spirit and willingness to um, take chances and uh, really help people's health on a global scale. Very much appreciate you being here today. Thank you. A pleasure meeting you. Dr. Eric Haas, everybody. He is the first, a member of the first graduating class of the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Joined us here on a, uh, a Thursday morning broadcast and look who's here, a surprise guest. <laughs> <laughs> A surprise guest who, yeah, I mean, how did you make it into this show if you don't have a degree in medicine? You you must have done something else significant. Let I me let me think. <laughs> well, they haven't caught, they haven't investigated me and they haven't caught me yet. But I'm not I am not a medical student. I, the, the, my medicine the amount I know about medicine is maybe by putting on a bandaid. And that's that's a, not true, by the way. And that's only that my That's wife. not true. With what you've been through, you know a little too much about uh, medicine. Am I right? I wasn't. I wasn't awake when they did that. <laughs> that's true. Um, I'm here with a wonderful guest, also. Yeah. Now this is your this is this, my wife. This is your my wife. wife for the past uh, month, twenty. Years. Mazal tov to you. Many of us who were enjoying the. Uh, this is, of course, uh, right. Yehuda Glick, a member of Knesset and uh, Tem- Temple Mount uh, uh, Savior. Let's put it that way. Uh, maybe you think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. And wonderful friend who I'm so happy to reunite with in this forum. Okay. So Mazalta well, well, Mazal on the wedding. Thank you. Many of us enjoyed the videos. Thank you very much. It's and all because of my wonderful wife. There you go. So Mazalta to you, wonderful she, wife she, of uh, Yehuda Glick. Welcome home. Tadaraba. It's good to see you. It's wonderful to be here. Broadcasting from Jerusalem. Imagine that, huh? The light of the universe. Wow. It certainly wow, is. Wow, wow, wow. It's so great to have you here with us in Israel. I thought you might try to pull off a, uh, I mean, some people would say stunt. I think it's not proper to put, you use that word in that context. I was predicting that you may try to have the wedding on Harabite. That you might try to have, you know. <laughs> First of all, it was on Harabite. Not physically, but we were totally there. First of all, we had it in Mount, Mount of Olives. Facing Harabite, Harabite was like right in our face all the time, and uh, the whole idea of marriage is is what all Harabite is all about. It says Yom Chatunatov, Yom Simchat Libo, in the day of this marriage, God says is the day that that Solomon built the Beit Hamikdash. That's the marriage between God and, and and the people of Israel and humanity, and that's the whole song of songs. Shir Hashirim is all describes how Hashem. Uh, and his relationship with Am Israel and with the with the with humanity, and through the connection of Temple Mount through Jerusalem, and that's that's the place. That is definitely the place. So we got married on Temple Mount, even though physically we weren't there. We it was right in front of our eyes, uh, as it is all the time. And I'm so happy to have you. Can I, I thought I was interviewing you. You're well, now you're in my in, in our house. <laughs> now it's our turn. To, how do you feel to be here in Israel? We love we in lo- Jerusalem we after lo- recognized by your president as the capital of the state of Israel. And what this, a guy, huh? What week, a guy. And this week, your wonderful uh, ambassador moved to Jerusalem. Yeah, he has his new residence in Jerusalem. Yeah. Who would have thought, huh? In our lifetime, it happened. Who would have thought? It happened. So many things have happened in our lives. Sometimes, you know, I, sometimes I, I I have a problem reading Tanakh. Because I turn the pages and I every single page says that's the whole thing. Peanuts, going out of Egypt, we were there for in one country for 400 years. We were in the exile for 2,000 years in 250 countries, and we're back. 600 wagons chased after Am Israel. We saw armies, 200, 200 on every million front. F- uh, surrounding us when we were two million six-day war. 
We had a million, uh, you know, the, the, the Jericho walls fell down. We saw the falling down of the Soviet Empire. We saw a million and a half Jews coming from the former Soviet Union to Israel. And exactly, you know, some people have, have, have great faith. They call them atheists. They believe in coincidences. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a rational person. I analyze things rationally. And the only anal- irrational explanation that I can say that if on our exactly on our 70th anniversary, the president of the strongest country in the world moves his embassy to Jerusalem. And you know, in Tanakh, 70 is represents the relationship between Am Israel and the nations, 70 nations, 70, and 70 offerings on, on Sukkot. So exactly on our 70th anniversary, the President of the United States of America, Mr. Cyrus, eh, uh, Donald Trump, moves, <laughs> allows to, 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 to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, guys, I mean, you got to be blind if not to see. And the only reason I don't say peanuts on every single page I turn in, in the Katanach is because I'm allergic to peanuts. But aside <laughs> from that, every single story you see, we see with our eyes. What we see with our eyes, we see the words of Yeshayahu materializing and becoming a reality in front of our eyes. Does it frustrate you that we still say every day? No, does it frustrate that we haven't seen the Shekhinah come back to Zion? It frustrates me. But on the other hand, what frustrates me is that people, there are some people who don't understand how to thank Hashem, where we have gone through. And I, you know, I have a problem. My, my glasses, I buy at the optometrist. If I would buy them at the pessimist, maybe I would be pessimistic. I buy them at the optometrist and I see how optimistic it is. And look back where we were seven years ago where we are we have made so much uh, uh, we've really gone a long way ahead and uh, the achievements that we have reached are, are just unbelievable and Hashem is wonderful to each and every one of us and to the land of Israel could you believe it Israel is the fourth country on the way to the moon after what China with 1.7 billion civilians after United States and, and Russia with several hundred millions and Israel with our eight million and we're not, there, I just saw research in the United States, Israel is the eighth strongest country in the world, together with all these other small little countries, Japan, India, R- Russia, United States, Israel. But Germany, we're, we're beyond Germany. Can you imagine that? It's, it's, like, it's, it's unbelievable. You'd rather be in the Knesset or out of the Knesset? That's something that doesn't really play too much a uh, part of it's my life. It's irrelevant to you, I'll either you, one. I'll tell you, look. I, I, people who, who are obsessive and want to build a, a, a political career are pretty depressed if they're not in the Knesset. Right, they I, want the Volvo. I, first of all, thank Hashem for the privilege of two years and ten months serving in the Knesset of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. It's, what the privilege it was. I enjoyed doing what I did. I had a lot of achievements. and But it's, it's, it's one means of serving uh, the world and serving Am Yisrael. You know why we're here, by the way, today? We're here <laughs> because there's there's a medical uh, legend among us today who you're related to, yes, by the way. Yes, I'm strongly related you're, to You're a, familiar with Dr. Glick? I'm familiar with and his Professor work? Glick. He's a wonderful man, and, and everything I have good is from him. Everything I have And you've heard of the Medical uh, School and, for and, International and, Health and, at Ben-Gurion and, University? And my wonderful wife and mother, who also raised me to, together with my wonderful father. And uh, we came, we met Aliyah from that small little outpost called uh, New York to the big city of Beersheva, yeah. and uh, when then there were like a few camels in a medical school, and uh, and the Shapiro family, and the Shapiro, <laughs> Hannah Shapiro was the one. She was there. She was there receiving us. That's your aunt. That's your right. wonderful aunt, Allah Shalom, and uh, really, uh, she was the running the Amer- AACI. Every single American who arrived to Beersheva was personally taken greeted hand, by her, greeted yeah. by her, taken care of by her, right. and so when we made Aliyah 40, 45 years ago. Uh, Beersheva was nothing now. Baruch Hashem, Beersheva is becoming a high-tech uh, a center and really a, an empire. But the medical school has become world-known mainly with its humanitarian touch, 
where every single patient is not just a number on the computer, is really care, you're listening to what he says in a personal, individual patient. And that's something that my father has been leading for the last 45 years, and Hashem should give him at least another 75 years of health. And Bezrat Hashem. Sounds good. He's, on his, he's, on his young, he's not even 87 yet. He's a young man. <laughs> he's only 86 and a half. <laughs> Yehuda, always great. Thank you always so much, Nachum. Great. great to have you, you all here. You are the best. Yehuda, thank you. everybody. And anyway, you're looking for a place to learn medical medicine. Beersheba is the place. The please. Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University, not only providing us with great guests today, but even a surprise guest to wrap and, up the hour. Keep it right here, everybody. A whole bunch of positive energy from Jerusalem to each and every one of you guys. Amen. Keep it here as we continue at JM in the AM. Eight o'clock in the morning in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And we are with our friends at the Jerusalem College of Technologies. We broadcast from the Inbal Hotel here in Jerusalem. And Professor Abba Engelberg is uh, joining us. He's uh, teaching at the uh, Machon Tal. In fact, he has a, a class this morning after this interview. Uh, he's been working at JCT for over 40 years in different capacities and now serves as the academic director of the international program, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, made Aliyah years ago. And uh, he could discuss with us some of the great things about the Jerusalem College of Technology. Boker Tov, thank you so much for joining me here today. Good morning. The Jerusalem College of Technology has quite a uh, reputation, to say the least, worldwide. You're there for 40 years. What would you say makes the institution stand out in the world of academia? Well, officially, we are the only engineering school uh, in the world that we know of uh, which combines both an engineering degree and Jewish studies in the morning. Hmm. And that combination makes for something unique, to say the least. And attracts students from all around the world, right? Not just from Israel. Uh, well, we have both a Hebrew program and an English program. Interestingly enough, I thought when I started working with the English program that it would be uh, mainly Americans or maybe English people. But surprisingly enough, we have students from uh, Switzerland, from Germany, from uh, from France, from Austria, uh, many of the European countries also. Uh, people uh, feel that they to do business, they are going to have to perfect their English, and they know English better than Hebrew, and uh, they also join our program. So we really are quite international. How long have you been the academic director of the international program? 
well, uh, <coughs> actually, I've only been about two years because uh, I started uh, working at the Jerusalem College uh, 47 years ago. Wow. About 25 years ago, they asked me to develop a women's division because until then, it was exclusively men. Uh, and uh, in 2012, which was about seven years ago, I thought I retired, <coughs> and uh, but I c kept on teaching a little. And then about two years ago, <coughs> they said they didn't have a director for this particular program, an academic dean, and uh, I accepted the challenge. Uh, so the international presence, <coughs> I'm sure, has grown tremendously over the last few years, right? I mean, it just keeps increasing. Uh, well, it does. Uh, of course, this isn't uh, as great as our particular English speakers program is. Uh, such uh, items as anti-Semitism in France and other uh, places uh, might also have some effect on the number of international students that we're getting. All right. Now, there are people listening right now who uh, they themselves or maybe their parents wonder if JCT is a good choice for them. Um, at, what po at what point should they consider um, uh, whether the JCT is in fact a good fit for them? If, if they're specifically looking for an engineering degree, if they're, if they're leaving or, or finishing um, a certain number of years of college and now JCT could fill in the rest of their academic pursuits, who, who are we speaking to when we speak to American students who might potentially come and be students at the Jerusalem College of Technology? Well, I would say that the best typical student for us is one who has come to Israel for a one-year gap year program, <coughs> either in a yeshiva or in a girl's seminary, <coughs> and then they fall in love with the country, Baruch Hashem, uh, and they decide they want to stay here and have their studies. And then uh, they hear about our program, which allows them both to continue their Jewish content in a religious environment and uh, to get a very, very worthwhile, serious degree. It's not only engineering. Uh, we also have business and accounting. Uh, and we also have uh, a health sciences department where you can become a nurse. And that means both male or female nurse. All the courses, all the classes, are, of course, are separate, uh, men separate and women separate on different campuses. But still, uh, most of the majors are available to both sexes. Professor Abba Engelberg is with us. You, I'm sure, have seen tremendous success from JCT graduates in your experience. I know we always emphasize whenever JCT is on the air how many superstars in Israeli society have come from the institution. Uh, we have un unbelievable people. One of my students established a company called NDS, uh, which employed hundreds of people in the computer area. And the amazing thing that he did was that he sold it to Cisco for $5 billion. But if that wasn't enough, he was smart enough to buy it back a couple of years later for $1 billion. Uh, and I'm still begging him to give me some of that $4 billion in between. <laughs> so he did nicely on that one. Uh, and there are other graduates. And there are other graduates who, even if they don't do as nicely financially, still have uh, have had glorious careers after they left JCT. One of my colleagues just told me that uh, his student uh, has just been accepted to the faculty of MIT. Wow, there you go. That's proof positive, huh? Uh, and, and, and I would assume some of the graduates have actually become faculty members at JCT at some point. Uh, many of them have done so. Uh, I actually get most nachas from... Uh, my uh, students at uh, the women's division, which I established, and uh, I uh, now get letters from them about two or three times a week. They have a, a taken on high positions in various uh, 
physics, engineering, and computer companies, and they are looking for students. So I actually send out about three job offers every week, wow. generated only by our own former students. What was your perspective when it was time to found the uh, women's program? What did you think? <coughs> did you think it would be as successful as it became? Uh, no, I didn't think that the men's division would be as successful because I remember when I started, uh, we were in a little house uh, in Bayt Fagan and the classes took place in Himmelfarb and in 1972, uh, there was no heating. And even though I come from Cleveland, Ohio, which is not known as the sun capital of the world, uh, I froze the most in my life. My first year in Israel uh, in a high school, in a classroom uh, with uh, absolutely no heating or maybe a little kerosene heater. And then, thank God, the men's program began to flourish. And at some point, I would assume the same thing happened with the women's program. Uh, well, the women's was even more difficult because at first the rabbis were uh, antagonistic to the idea. Uh, they felt that it might end up being like another Barilan, and that isn't what they had in mind. So we had to start off in a place called Bet El. Uh, which uh, they felt was a distance great enough from Jerusalem that it would not cause any problems. But then a miracle happened, if you want to call it a miracle. It turns out that the Council for Higher Education is sort of a very left-wing institution. And they said Jerusalem College of Technology is not allowed to give a degree in Bet El. Mm. So therefore, we were forced to come to Jerusalem. So then the rabbis again got their measuring sticks out and they found the most distant point from Mahon Lev in Jerusalem, which actually was in Neve Yaakov. And we found a very beautiful room. And I figured with 10 students uh, a year, so a room for 25, 30 students is fine. But then Jerusalem is Jerusalem. So instead of tw the 10 students I was expecting for the new year, we were flooded with 100. Wow. And from that point on, we moved to Givat Shaul, and that's where we are to the present day. Amazing. Uh, Professor Abba Engelberg, um, what's today's lecture going to be about when you leave here to go teach? What are we teaching uh, today? We are teaching today statistics. Wow. Which, by the way, is the most popular uh, course in the school. Nothing to do with me, of course. Just <laughs> that every single uh, area of study has to take it. Even the nurses take it, and the engineers, and the accountants, and the business students. Is it considered an easy A, or is it a difficult course? Uh, I try to make it as easy as possible. I told them uh, that on the first lecture for the simple reason that I know that we don't even have a department of statistics. No one is doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they have to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> so I try to make the pill as uh, comfortable as possible. And they they take notes with pen and paper or they're more into the, into the, uh, the more advanced technology these days? Uh, I think you're still in the 19th century. Yeah. Uh, now it's all on laptops. Uh, huh? uh, either first of all laptops, and secondly, everything is on the computer before they even come to class. Nice. I try to convince them not to come. <laughs> <laughs> Yet they love your lectures so much that, they, that they're attracted to it. Some do, some don't. <laughs> but the main thing is the salary is the same no matter how many students show up. Professor, this has been a delight. Thank you so much. Our best regards to everybody at Jerusalem College of Technology. Thank you for being here today. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. A pleasure. Professor Abba Engelberg uh, here with us on uh, this Thursday morning broadcast as we talk about the Jerusalem College of Technology. They have made their mark, to say the least, in the world of um, education, especially here in the state of Israel.
Um, we've got um, we've got Bracha Berger with us. Bracha Berger is coordinator of the international program at Machon Tal for women overseas recruitment for the new women's program. Uh, she's originally from New York and uh, now living, of course, in Israel. And um, uh, Gabi Novik is uh, coordinator for the international program Machon Lev for men overseas recruitment and technical issues with students. And uh, also joining us here on this Thursday morning broadcast. Uh, good morning to both of you. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. us. Nice to have you here. Okay, we'll start. Well, let's start with the men because that's, I guess, uh, where <laughs> J- JCT began, right, with the men's that's program. I was, I was fascinated to hear from Professor Engelberg, frankly, that you're attracting such an international uh, base of students, which is uh, amazing. It really is awesome. We have, we have students uh, definitely primarily from the U.S. and Canada, but <coughs> now we have students from Panama, uh, Germany, Switzerland, France, uh, South Africa. You'll hear from some of them today, which is really just amazing. It is amazing. And uh, it continues to grow because as institutions get older, one, one wonders if they're able to you know, keep up and refresh and you know, continue to attract students both in Israel and beyond. And it looks like that's exactly what's happening. Thank God. We're, I think we're really doing amazing in growing the, the student body. Um, and I think students just love the program. And we're so dedicated to making it better and to improving it and to gearing it to- towards the students as much as possible. The men are graduating with what types of degrees? Um, we offer a BA in business administration and a BS in computer science. Both mm. are three years. Very nice. And once they leave that three-year program and graduate, they're already in the workforce or they're continuing their education? How does it work? Um, yes. Mostly in, in Israel, we find that most people get jobs straight after um, graduating. Um, in the business world, people are in investment banking and finance um, and management, um, all sorts of fields throughout business. Uh, the degree is pretty broad and wide-ranging. Um, and in computer science, the, the, the jobs are, are just so out there, um, both in Israel and abroad. Plenty um, of availability. Yes. And we do have people going back to their home countries, uh, not just staying in Israel um, and getting jobs really everywhere. Amazing. Um, the, 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 the work or the, um, uh, the <laughs> commitment that one as a student has to make to this type of program, because it is a dual program, right? Yes. So is this something that, I mean, obviously they're aware of this before they get to GCT. Yes. <laughs> you're not springing Part of it. my job. You're not, spring, you're not springing it on them when they uh-huh. get to the first day of school. Is that, I mean, and we've dealt with, you know, we're quite familiar with dual programs, but is this something that is manageable by the international student? Is it something that's difficult for them to get used to? How would you describe it? Um, yes, a lot of them are coming from yeshiva backgrounds, so it's not it's not so right. foreign. They know what it's like to study um, all day long. Also, I mean, the business program is two days a week, um, mm. so it really enables the student not just to learn Lemude Kodesh and Lemude, and, and their, their secular classes, but also uh, usually get an internship, uh, a part-time job somewhere. Um, the computer science program is more full-time. It's four days a week. Um, so in general, people are either studying their Lemude Kodesh or studying their Lemude Chol. But right. it is very intense and they are very busy. Um, but they're motivated students. Really, all of them are very motivated students. And we've heard that, the J- that JCT has, has tried very hard to broaden the scope of who they're attracting, including people from communities that were not that used to being in formal education when it came to engineering, computer science, etc., uh, is this all? Is that as well under your jurisdiction in terms of attracting men from Haredi and other communities to be part of it? Yes, we have really. I think it's it's just so uh, amazing to see because of the common background of everyone speaking English. Right. Um, it really just attracts a wide range of people um, from different 
sects and cultures, however you wanna you wanna call it. Um, but it really is amazing, and everyone learns together. And I really think there's a chevra, there's a, a camaraderie. Part of it is the small class sizes um, that just enables people to get along together, to study together, um, you know. And then they go back to wherever they live or wherever they learn, which is our totally different environments. Right. But in the classroom, there there appears. Gabi Novik is here. We now turn to Bracha Berger, coordinator for the international program in Machon Tal for women. So women uh, first started to be part of the whole JCT system the whole day when how long ago um so actually this coming year is the first year that we're beginning the international program ah. for women yeah so that's this coming year in october but there's, there have been women in in jct just in different programs yeah mahontal right. is is this entire school Got that it. professor engelberg spoke correct spoke a little bit about there's thousands of students in mahontal in right. various degrees so this is now an effort to bring people in from outside of Israel. Yeah. So how's that going? I mean, what is the what, what are the prospects? So it's great. It's actually fascinating to see um, the different types of people who are interested in this type of degree. I mean, it's a very unique degree in that it's in English, in a warm religious environment for women. Um, so really to see the, the range of women, not only religiously, but also age-wise. I just spoke to a woman last night who was almost crying on the phone, literally <laughs> saying, and she was in her 60s saying, I've been waiting for some opportunity like this to have a degree in English in Israel for women. Um, and she applied, you know, the second that we opened registration. Interesting. Um, I asked this question to Gabi earlier. Uh, there is a tremendous effort to get women as well from different areas of the community in Israel uh, under the JCT umbrella to give them the professional guidance that they need to give them the academics that are required in order to get a degree and get into the workforce. How is that effort going? So it's great. I mean, we're really um, kind of putting our hands in all these different uh institution and cultures and ranges of on the religious spectrum and like I said the age spectrum um to really see who this could be interesting to because it's it's a degree that's it's really unique like I said in that it can appeal to so many different types of people um and it's been really interesting a lot of people have been interested from modern orthodox to Dati Lumi to Khardal to Haredi to that that whole range really there's been a lot of interest right because you have to fight a battle in terms of just the community in general accepting this type of program and encouraging people in the community to go and pursue it. Uh, is that something that's still going on, or are you already past that I stage? mean, honestly, Mahon Tal and Mahon Lev's reputations really speak for themselves. They've been around for so long and are so highly regarded mm. really all around Israel that it's not such a hard sell. <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. Because we always think that there's such pushback from different communities. Yeah. All right, you're speaking to an international audience, but it's no secret that the majority of the people listening right now are in the United States, and many of them are either themselves or have parents listening who would consider a program like this, what would you, what would you say to them to, to at least get them to explore the international program for women here at JCT? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the degree has offers a lot of unique things that only this degree offers. I mean, one of the most important things is that tuition is so affordable. Um, for foreign students, tuition is about $3,800 a year. And for Israelis, it's about $2,800 a year. Those I mean, are numbers we're not used to <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's like... 100, per- not thousand. I always feel like wow. I have to correct, like, make yes. sure they get it. It's 100, exactly. not thousand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's a big draw. Another really cool thing that we actually are introducing to the women's program is that women who... Um, because like the men's program, we have um, Limude Kodesh requirements. So if there's a girl or a woman who is affiliated with a certain seminary or went to a seminary or a midrasha, she can actually fulfill her Judaic studies requirements at her midrasha. So if there's a girl who's in, for example, Harova, MMY, Shalavim, Michlala, any of those places, and she wants to stay, she can stay involved in those 
seminary institutions and also already begin her degree, which a lot of times is, you know, that shun of bet time is a time when people want to keep learning a little bit, but they also want to start college. And we kind of help with that balance and that transition. Well, I have to thank you because you did provide some details that specifically address the question I just asked, some of which you just mentioned. The tuition is incredible and incredibly affordable. The tuition is fully covered when you have the Ole Hadash benefits. Yes. People should keep that in mind if they're planning on moving to Israel. The program is the only program in Yushalayim that offers a full undergraduate degree in English, something that you pointed out. Uh, it's a religious institution, which means that people don't have to worry about uh, social awkwardness, about kosher food situations. It's all there uh, the way it should be in a religious institution. And... Um, and uh, the registration department does recognize SATs, ACTs, A-level scores, etc. In other words, if you've done well or have just performed nicely in, in institutions in the United States, you guys want to know about it because that would go a long way in terms of uh, uh, becoming part of the JCT family, correct? Exactly. All right. So all those details should be kept in mind. Where do people get information? Is there a website? Is there an email? What do people do? Yes. Uh, definitely you can be in touch with me or Bracha for the men or women's program. Um, our website is jct.ac.il slash en. Um, you can click on the international program, um, or you can, again, just be in touch with me and Bracha. My email is g-n-o-v-i-c-k at jct.ac.il. And mine is bberger, b-b-e-r-g-e-r at jct.ac.il. A pleasure to meet both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for joining you. us this morning. More coming up Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM, and we've got Two students with us from JCT, the Jerusalem College of Technology, who are visiting us in our mobile studio here at the Inbal Hotel. Uh, Josh Lehman is here, a second-year student in the computers program, originally from Muncie, New York, and I am told a TABC and Yeshiva Dakotal graduate. Who's Josh? That's Josh. Have we met before? I think we have, yes. All right. Nice to see you again. <laughs> Avi Chai Waxberg is here, first-year student in the business program from Passaic, New Jersey, and apparently a JEC graduate. You guys have tracked us down here at JM and AM. I'm sure after listening your entire lives to this great radio broadcast. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. All right, Josh, we'll start with you. TABC, Hakotel, not every TABC grad or Hakotel attendee. Uh, ends up staying in Israel at the Jerusalem College of Technology. What happened that made it happen for you? Well, it definitely didn't feel like a, a one-time decision. It wasn't just a one-moment thing. It was kind of a gradual process for me. After coming for the year and being in Israel, it was the type of thing that just built. And eventually, it just made sense to both stay in Israel and for myself to end up at the Jerusalem College of Technology. While you were in Yeshiva in Israel, would you have assumed that you'd be heading back to the U.S. to continue your education? I definitely did going in. But I think I also definitely knew that I would consider staying. Who even told you about JCT to start exploring, to, to even you know, consider it as you were sitting in yeshiva and studying? I think it's definitely known around the area, and I definitely have friends who went there. But it wasn't the type of thing I heard of back when I was in the States many years ago. But I think now it was a much bigger name than it did then. Interesting. All right. So students who are in yeshiva here are given that option, of, uh, which is wonderful. You get an opportunity not just to get a great degree, but to stay in Israel, which is pretty amazing. Um, and what is exactly described to us, we, we say second-year computers, what does that mean? What are you in the middle of right now? What degree are you working toward? Um, it's a degree in computer science, and it's mostly, uh, the first year was mostly a lot of math and basic and intro courses. Right now, it's much more applicable on things that are relevant to things we might be working in the field and learning different languages. And it's very interesting stuff and things that feel very relevant to what we're going to be doing going forward after our degrees. Does this mean that next year you'll finish this program? Yes. That's it's a three-year program, and then what happens? You end up in the workforce in Israel? Yeah, hopefully. Have you officially made Aliyah? I have. 
Oh wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Do your parents know? They <laughs> <laughs> if they if they know that this is quite a revelation here Breaking on the, the show, news right now. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, Josh Lehman visiting us here from JCT. And Avichai Waxberg, as we said, is a first year student in the business program from Passaic, New Jersey, and JEC High School. Welcome to you. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, so you leave JEC and then go where? To Mavaseret. And in Mavaseret, you find out about JCT. So. Not exactly. I was actually in Mavasar for two years. Yeah. Ended up staying there for Shanabet. And then close towards towards the end of my Shanabet, I decided to join the army. Wow. So I drafted to, uh, to Netzach Yudah. I was there for close to two years. Um, originally, I was signed on for a year and a half. And then I was sent to commander's course. So I stayed another four months. And um, as I was, you know, finishing my army service, I was trying to, like, figure out what's going to be with my life, where I'm going to go to school. And throughout my army service, I actually got engaged and married. <laughs> That's so um, Yeah, thank you. Still, still good, still going. And uh, is your wife from Israel or the United States? My wife is from the United States, actually. And um, what is it like transitioning to the army? We'll talk about JCT in a second. What's it like transitioning from yeshiva to the army? Is it a very difficult first couple of months? I would say it's definitely you know in yeshiva and in the army you definitely have a lot of people living on top of each other because dorms and stuff like that. All right. But um, you know, if you have uh, you take American kids and then Israelis. It's a totally different mindset because in yeshiva you have kids who want to be there, who are there because they want to be there. And in the army you have a lot of Israelis who are there because it's a forced draft. But then right. you have Americans who want to be there. So it's interesting to see the, uh, the combination of the, of the different motivations. Right. And the language barrier, a big deal or not when you start your army so service? I don't really know too much Hebrew. I knew how to like, you know, translate from Vayomar Hashem or Moshele Amor. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we know that one. Yeah, <laughs> well, not everyone, you know, JC education. <laughs> but, uh, what are they, the Chargers? Go go who? What's the JC team? Thunder, now? Thunder. Thunder, go Thunder. thunder yeah. Hawks, I think they used to be the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they changed it up every few years. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, thank God I was able to pick it up uh, throughout my army service. Interesting. All right, so you're in uh, the Army and then find out about JCT? How does it work? So I finished the Army. Uh, my one of my, my Rebbeim, Alma Vassar, Rebbe Isaacson, Rebbe Berg, Rebbe Herschel, sure. uh, pulled me back in. They said, come back in, learn with us for a little bit. Um, as I'm there, uh, the director of the international program comes and pitches about the program and starts reaching out towards us, and uh, I was hooked. I was like, this is a perfect program for me. Um, you know, I get to get a legitimate degree from a well-renowned school in Israel. A business degree. A business degree in the field that I want. That's always what it's always what I wanted to pursue. Um, I would love to say that I'm a computers guy. I just don't have the head for it or the patience for that. But business is like it's an it's an exciting, you know, degree that I can that really opens up a lot of doors for me. And this degree is as good, if not better, than anything you would have pursued in the United States. So I would say, yeah. You know, Cy Sims is great. Right. Landers is fantastic. Right. Queens College, whatever, you know. I'm just trying to be the classic Jew right. in New Jersey. <laughs> you know, Columbia. So you remember, all, you remember uh, all those places, yeah. huh? Yeah, I looked at them. But uh, Mahon Love's definitely, uh, you know, giving me a high standard of education. And uh, I'm really being put to the test. Interesting. And this is year one. Year one. Semester the, one. Semester one of the degree. Just started the second one. But yeah. uh, right. And, uh, and so far, so good. So far, so good. Very nice. So you both, I would assume... And I'm so glad you're both here in this capacity because we're speaking to a lot of of young men and women who are in you know similar situations, who are ready to go from high school to their seminary or yeshiva year. And then, of course, you know we hope, uh, or, or many of the parents hope, that they in fact will will uh, you know stick stick around and stay in Israel. Have you made Aliyah officially? I did, yeah. Very I nice. Did. And now you guys have a daughter, right? 
We do. Amazing. Four Incredible. Unbelievable. Great to meet both of you. Avichai Waxberg and Josh Lehman, they are current students at the Jerusalem College of Technology. Thank you both, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wonderful day. Pretty amazing. More coming up. It's a Thursday morning broadcast officially here at JM in the AM as we continue at our mobile studio in in the Inbal Hotel. Our big thank you to the Inbal Hotel for all of their hospitality this week. Plenty more coming up if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M., <clears throat> excuse me, that's eighth day. Our mobile studio has been set up by the brilliant staff of the Inbal Hotel, and we thank them very, very much. We're in one of the beautiful conference rooms here at the uh, Inbal Hotel. Um, and uh, our host here at the Inbal Hotel, the general manager, Ronnie Timzit, is with us. Uh, he, is the, uh, the, he and his staff are responsible for the incredible hospitality that we are enjoying during this visit to Jerusalem. Shalom, shalom, and thank you again for having us. How are you? Baruch Hashem, nice to see you. It's incredible to see you every uh, six months. Yeah, about. (laughs) Our families might think a little more often than that, but yes, every few months. And uh, we, we have been, of course, treated royally. You know how your staff treats us. But this time, this time, we've had the opportunity to stay in the luxurious, brand new section of the Inbal Hotel, uh, rooms that were just created and just completed, and those rooms are pretty remarkable. So I thank you for that, and congratulations on the beautiful renovation. Yes, it was very important for us. Uh, I'm speaking about it with you, and I'm speaking, That's and, right. uh, and I wanted you to <coughs> to have the feeling of these uh, rooms. We Our new premium rooms are from the largest uh, rooms in uh, in town. And they are looking, overlooking the old city. Right. Uh, you know, the, the hotel went uh, through major renovations during the past two years. And all public areas are new. We have created a new restaurant. We've redone the pool. We've redone kitchens that nobody sees, but it's very important. Uh, and we've redone all the new... You have only new areas to to see and to discover uh, again uh, our patio courtyard that is uh, so beautiful and known we have read on it we've put trees there it's it's uh, really a major uh, uh, change uh, so hotel, this is what you see the hotel oh. looks spectacular that is what we're seeing we're seeing incredible things here um, the reviews from my staff of O2, which is the new restaurant, mm-hmm. have been wonderful. Uh, the food, delicious, and the decor, really lovely. And uh, like I said, the new section and all the different things you've done. And we've seen this. We've seen this evolve over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And everything looks spectacular. So congratulations. Thank you. Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Uh, we have Purim and Pesach coming up. Yes. And you know, Pesach preparations mm-hmm. are not easy, Ronnie. Not easy. Not for not for the homemaker. It's not easy. You know, I'm a not new, for the working mother. I'm a it's new not easy. Manager, I'm very new. Yeah, like you see with my white. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a rookie. Yeah. You're a rookie, huh? And, uh, yes. So I'm, uh, I'll pay attention and we'll do something. I, I didn't know it's so tough. Oh, it's tough. All right, <laughs> and uh, you know you're you're expecting thousands of people here for yeah. Passover. Yes, yes. We're expecting really a lot of uh, people. We still have uh, rooms to to sell. We are running with uh, 80 and something percent uh, occupancy for the time being, meaning that we have still uh, good deals with three nights also stays. And uh, I would recommend to to go and to have a look at our new website, Inbal Hotel 
Okay. And uh, to see all the specials that we're doing for Passover and for the whole year. We're all doing right. uh, special prices for uh, for the summer and uh, and that's something that is running all the time and to go in our website to offers and to see if there is something that uh, can fit the the new the next day of the of a guest inbalhotel.com is the website inbalhotel.com uh, i assume people can put in a request to be in the new rooms right not no guarantee that they'll be open because they may be sold out for passover mm-hmm. but they can put in a request and see yes, what's going passover on passover is already quite tough we have a, a few uh, right. rooms uh, of the new rooms uh, left uh, the other room we still have uh, but it's it worth to 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 try and to call or to to get into the uh, the website to have the right. Uh, the right information and with all the brand new furniture and features and different amenities that you've included in the rooms it seems the most important thing is the space you've made sure to make these rooms as large as possible so mm-hmm. families will feel very comfortable mm-hmm. and if the european model has always been to downsize rooms you've gone in the opposite direction more what the american people i think are, are used to and that is to have as large a hotel room as possible and that's much appreciated by the people yes who you know always uh, uh, inbal was always very uh, uh, listening to the American uh, guests. And this is 80% of our uh, yearly right. uh, business. So we are always uh, listening to what guests are saying. And, and the message during the past year was, room should be bigger. Uh, I would like to have uh, other possibility, more luxurious. And uh, this is what we've done. We, we've solved also at the same time all the little problems that uh, we every building would have, and uh, and now we are with a perfect uh, product, uh, like I see it. Yeah, I, we have to agree with you. It is really amazing, just incredible. Next week the marathon comes by the hotel, right? Yes, Isn't it right yes. by the hotel. Yeah. Great, great view of the Jerusalem. I'm not suggesting anybody running it, but great view of the <laughs> Jerusalem marathon uh, coming up. Rachov Jabotinsky here at the Inbal. Any information? Purim, Pesach, summer. Uh, you have uh, students in yeshiva and seminary. They take good care of the extended families here at the Inbal Hotel. Uh, just go to the website, inbalhotel.com. Uh, Again, that's inbalhotel.com, and you'll be able to uh, to get all the specials and offers that the Inbal is, uh, is offering everybody. Yes, we are also uh, pushing the experience. We have a lot of guests that know Jerusalem already very well. Yeah. We did two... Uh, uh, tours and uh, the concierge can can uh, have special tours that nobody would uh, would do the concierge uh, desk will take good care of the guests yes 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 but uh, we have tours in the area right. and tours with without anybody with that we are supplying the tour and they, the people can go alone and go around it's very interesting we want people to see the other corners of uh, Jerusalem. Right, some of the places they have not seen before. Right. Uh, also, speaking of tours, we should mention that the hotel is pretty filled with some amazing tours from North America right now. Uh, I saw buses that are proclaiming that they're here from Colorado and from mm-hmm. uh, uh, different areas of the United States, and that's a, that's wonderful yes. if you're able to open up March, the hotel for those groups. March is a, a, a month that there is quite a lot of group. People right. are coming, organized. It's not time for uh, people that know Jerusalem and uh, individuals. Uh, 
even we still have individuals. We have a lot of people coming to see their family here, right. uh, to see the students that they have in a yeshiva. Uh, so we have uh, this regular business, but that's the time where you see a lot of uh, buses also. Ronnie Timzitz, the general manager here at the Inbal Todaraba. Thank you very, very much. And we'll continue to tell everybody how amazing the Inbal is. Thank you so much. There he is. Ronnie Timzit is the general manager of the Inbal. Takes very good care of us. He and his staff take very good care of us when we are here at in Jerusalem. More coming up at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Thursday morning broadcast, speaking with the Jerusalem College of Technology. And Arlie Gutman is here. Arlie is Director of Strategic Partnerships for JCT. She has a, um, a perspective on the innovative initiatives that JCT is involved with. And everything all right? We're okay? Arlie Gutman, shalom, and welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, I see what's going on. He's offering you that microphone if that's too loud for you. So it's up to you if you want to switch. But if you're okay. I'll switch. I'll switch. Okay, so grab that one and we'll be fine. Uh, we have learned so much about JCT in the last half hour. You can't imagine. Let's hear. What have you I learned? I mean, I, I'm thrilled that there were some students here. Students yeah. who went to New York, New Jersey high schools, who then came traditionally to their gap year in Israel. Yeah. And then decided, when they found out about JCT, to actually make Aliyah stay in Israel and pursue further education with the Jerusalem College of Technology. Good. So you've already learned a lot. I've already learned so a lot. So we're good. We're to, done. To say the least. Um, but we, you're the director of strategic partnerships yeah. for JCT. And partnerships in what area? What does that mean? You're looking to partner with whom? It's a good question. I, it's deliberately vague so that <laughs> we can do many different things. One, uh, JCT asked me to, to join JCT in order to increase the added value of students with regard to industry. So what we've done is we've worked with many, many different companies. About I think we're up to about 60, 70 companies now. Wow. And we bring them in to do programs with us. For example, one of our programs was a cyber program where we worked with the uh, National Cyber Bureau from the Prime Minister's Office and the Rashi Foundation's Cyber Education Center and about 21 different companies in the cyber in the cyber area. So that includes aerospace and defense, startups, multinational cyber companies. And we worked with students who were outstanding graduates of engineering, all religious, Haredi and Datilumi, modern <laughs> Orthodox, which is incredible, because these people had never really been in that industry before. And the country was seriously missing out on this huge pool of talent. So we took these amazing students, right? Some of them with like payas and beards and sitsis and, and these women who are married with babies, you know, some of them, one oldest of 11 children. And they studied cyber very intensively along with these companies in a specialized curriculum after they were already engineers. And now they're working in aerospace and defense. It's incredible. And the people in those industries had never seen people who looked like this before contributing to Israel in that way. It's amazing. It's the Kiddush Hashem. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, I agree with that. Um, so the, but the, if I could interrupt for a second. So the first stage was really getting that community familiar with what JCT does. Because as you just described, they need that degree first before they pursue any of this. That's right. So those students were already students right. or graduates of our own Which Which program. is an accomplishment in and of itself. It's a, hu it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And you're right. It's something that cannot be understated or, or underestimated. We have 4,400 students from 23 different countries, wow. many of them Israeli, and the Israeli Haredi public or ultra-Orthodox public in, traditionally hasn't gotten degrees. So for we're clearly doing something right. We respect everybody's values. We try to make everyone feel comfortable in that environment. We, t we have separate campuses for men and women. And they're coming in droves. We have over 2,000 Haredi students, which is incredible. That's unbelievable. Um, and men and women. Men and women, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we're, and about 45% of them study engineering, which is incredible. Um, something else that we're doing with industry is we created an entrepreneurship program. Because this, this, our, our communities, both modern Orthodox and Haredi, ultra-Orthodox, besides for cyber, they really didn't know what entrepreneurship was. Right. Um, especially in the high-tech ecosystem. Um, 
They also didn't know what hackathons were. Does anyone here know what a hackathon is? We're familiar You're with familiar, it. You're familiar, but, but for our funny, audience. But what's funny is I'm trying to think about them coming into something like so that. So let me tell you what happened. <laughs> so hackathons, for those who don't know who are listening, are technology marathons where in about 48 hours, teams work on previously unseen challenges. Right. And they have to develop a tech product in 48 hours. Our students did not know what a hackathon was, obviously, so that was even more challenging. We brought in all these different companies. Intel was an amazing partner. IBM, Aline Children's Hospital, Hatsala, et cetera. They all came. Now I'm against Vinatome. Um, so they came. They provided challenges. They say, this is something we need solved. I'll give you an example. Aline Children's Hospital sets us, we have kids in wheelchairs. Mm. They don't have so much control over the wheelchairs, and we're scared they're going to bang into walls or, God forbid, fall downstairs. Our students took that idea. They developed a sensor for wheelchairs, like a mobile eye for wheelchairs, that can beep or stop when it senses that there's an obstacle in front of them or on an angle like stairs. And the judges, most of whom are non-religious, but were very involved with the tech ecosystem, were sitting there with their mouths open. They had never before seen men or women, you know, guys with sisters hanging out, <laughs> keep us on their heads, beards, women, and our women's hackathon, we had nursing mothers there, right? So they're surrounded by babies. They're holding a baby in one hand and coding all night with the other. They had never seen these men and women talk about electrical engineering, electro-optics engineering, software engineering, and developing amazing, amazing products. Our women, can I say something about our women? Please. Our women um, got a uh, challenge from Intel, and Intel said, we have a problem. When, God forbid, there's a mass casualty incident, it's all crazy. Everyone's going crazy, right? right? It's total chaos. What do we do? So our students developed an electric bracelet. These women, these 20-year-old women, right, who study both software engineering and electronics, they developed an electric bracelet that a paramedic can talk into the bracelet, describe the treatment he's already provided, and triage is done automatically using algorithms, as well as figuring out which hospital will be the appropriate receiving hospital. So these young women did this in less than 48 hours, obviously won the prize, and they've already gone on to win other hackathons, these women. It was so exciting that this, we finished on a Friday afternoon. Sunday, I started getting calls from the municipality, from investors saying, we heard about your women. They call them girls even, they are girls. We heard about your women. We want to see what they've produced. So two weeks later, we brought six teams over to JVP, which, as you know, is this huge you know, investor platform um, here in Israel. Um, and these women presented to them, these young, young women presented six tech products to a room of investors two weeks later. So this is something that the community has never seen before, but they love it. And now the students are coming up to us and saying, what else can we do? When's the next one? What we do then is we take uh, many of these groups and others into our entrepreneurship program, into what's called a pre-accelerator, and they develop these products for market. So we have one team there who's working on drones. They're providing <laughs> drone services. As a retail item. Well, I mean, commercial, yeah. A commercial item, right. Exactly right. So we have another team that has worked on software to help tutors and, and huge institutions. Um, and it's incredible. Another, another team, I'll give you another example. We don't care if our students fail. We're like, no problem if you failed. If it didn't work out the first time, you now have the skills. What are you going to do with them now? We had one student. He was in our pre-accelerator. His product, he worked really hard. It just didn't work. Most startups don't work. What did he do? He took the, that skill set and he transferred them to an, a senior project he had to do in his fourth year of engineering. 
And he, because of the knowledge that he had, he was able to turn an academic project into a startup. And what it does is it optimizes traffic lights in high density areas. And then Jerusalem Municipality is now doing a pilot with this student's project, which is now a startup. Unbelievable. It's great. Unbelievable. So, yeah. I can talk about this forever, but I think we only have 10 minutes, so or keep going. Orly <laughs> Gutman is here, Director of Strategic Partnerships with JCT. The partnership that, one of the partnerships that we were intrigued by earlier was this, um, was people who are graduates of JCT who are now in Army Intelligence, frankly. And yes, it, I so, can't talk about it so much, but what's your question? <laughs> so aside from industry and entrepreneurship and those companies that you mentioned who have tremendous interest, right. the Israeli Army has tremendous interest in the graduates. Yes. That's all I can say. No, no, no. And they're looking, but, I, I guess, for specific people who could do so, tremendous right. things behind the scenes. Right. So um, in at JCT, we have different groups of students. Some of our students come to JCT first, get an engineering degree, and then go to the Army using that degree mm. in the Army. And that could be software, electro-optics, et cetera. But some of your graduates never even think of going to the Army, frankly, I would think. Well, it depends who. So we have, let's say the Datilami, the modern right. Orthodox, right? We'll do that. Right. Or they come after the army. Um, in the Haredi population, most don't go to the army. Right. Some do. But even they afterwards may be working in the defense industry with their degrees. Right. But yes, the army comes and among those students who do their engineering degree first, um, sometimes the army units have to fight it out. We have interest from, I, I don't know what I can say. I can say this. We have interest from a naval unit. We have interest from well, intelligence. Intelligence, units, well, for right, sure. right. Um, yeah. And they and they will battle it out until they, they got the right people. Right. <laughs> what what I can say is that we've had um, numerous. I think 12, 15, 17 of our graduates who've already gotten the Israel Defense Prize for their work in our in the Army and in intelligence. That's remarkable. They can't really say what those um what those prizes are for right but we can say that and their family has no clue what the prizes right. are for we, we can say that <laughs> that it has involved um helping with terror tunnels and also fixing a satellite that otherwise would have cost probably um 500 million dollars to fix and our student was able to develop algorithm to fix this uh this army satellite so unbelievable yeah it's great your graduates is it safe to say they have no trouble getting jobs after they graduate? Would that be a good way of putting it or not? So that's an excellent question. They have no trouble getting jobs. What we're trying to do is to make sure that they get the best jobs that they can. Mm. Because so many of our students prior to their education at JCT, they may not have parents who work or they may have parents who work in very different types of professions. They don't really know the market. Um, and especially on the Haredi market, they may not have the connections that other people do, especially from the army. So that's why our industry programs are so important, so that while they're still in their undergraduate degree, we're having them touch industry in so many different areas, they get that experience, and then what we find is that industry recruits them right from their undergraduate degree, right. and that's our goal. So you basically have served for the familiarity that they don't have. You've given them the familiarity in the market that they would never have known growing up, that companies never heard of in their whole experience. Right. We try to give them that familiarity with the market. We also try to give them skills that the market needs. They right. need to learn entrepreneurship. They need to learn innovation. We don't care if they have their own startup or they use those skills to be very entrepreneurial in larger companies, in the larger multinationals, but they need to change the tfisa 
facade, as we see in Hebrew. They need to change their perspective, realize, have, having confidence in their own skills and realizing that they really can use their creativity in so many different ways. They don't just have to go somewhere and program and code. Phenomenal. They can do so much more. Orly Gutman, Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Jerusalem College of Technology. Thank you so much for being here today. You so much. <laughs> Pleasure to have you here. Unbelievable stuff going on at JCT. And we have the opportunity to speak to people who are either experiencing it firsthand or are facilitating it firsthand for their students. Uh, we've got um, two JCT students in front of us. Arye Ross is a first-year student in the business program. Uh, comes from South Africa. And uh, who's Arye? Uh, Maria. Nice to meet you. Nice. nice to meet you. You do, in fact, sound like you come from South Africa. <laughs> And Nussan Cutler is here, a first-year student in the computer program, who we are told comes from Texas. Yes. What city in Texas? Houston. Houston? Wait a second. Yoni Pollock's from Houston, Texas. How do you like that? Look at this. Two Lonsman meeting here at the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. Well, if you are a, uh, a student down in Texas, what attracts you to the Jerusalem College of Technology 6,000 miles away? Uh, so, uh, in general, the, just the very nice uh, Torah-oriented environment. But how do you even find out about them? Like, where did it work into your... I assume you graduated high school in Houston, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually didn't graduate uh, in Houston. I graduated in Pittsburgh. I was okay. in Yeshiva there. So you graduated in Pittsburgh, and then it's time to decide what to do after that. Where did life right. take you from there? Uh, so I spoke to a lot of friends uh, in Houston, family, um, and uh, a lot of good, uh, you know, great... Uh, there were chemists and uh, engineers who uh, who all came from, actually, Machon Lev, and uh -huh. they were telling me you know, just about how... Uh, you know, rigorous and and uh, practical the education will be uh, that that they had and it'll be for me. So that was, you know, uh, a great indication of what my education will be like. And you always wanted to pursue this in Israel. Like, was that a no, big... no? So I was I was between uh, some local universities in Houston, uh, and uh, but just you know I have this opportunity, this this you know great school in Israel. And it's definitely more exotic than just staying in Houston. So <laughs> that's uh, for sure. You know, Has it lived not? up to your expectations? Machon Lev. Yeah. So far, absolutely. It's uh, continuing to, you know, throw new things at me, new challenges, uh, new uh, opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. And your first year computers, uh, obviously one semester complete, right? Yeah. So no, how would you semester. how would you evaluate? I don't know the difficulty of the schedule and the and the, the coursework. I mean, what would you say to people who are listening and thinking about pursuing mm -hmm. this type of uh, career? Yeah, very rigorous. Um, we have uh, four four days a week uh, of of uh, lectures. At, right. You know, generally two thirty to around seven thirty, uh, and then you know a lot of a lot of work that we have to you know really work hard on. But it's you know it's all uh, we cover a large large uh, range of topics. You know. Are you always studying, or you have time to enjoy Jerusalem? Uh, I do have some time to enjoy Jerusalem. <laughs> That's and, important, and right? Cities. It is important. That's important. Yeah. You're at JCT already. You know, people who are considering coming, it's not just the academics. They also get to be in the greatest city in the world, which is a big attraction, to say the least. Definitely. Um, uh, Arye Ross, as we said, is in the first-year business program from That's South it. Africa. How does yeah. a South African senior in high school start to think of his future and end up at the Jerusalem College of Technology? That's uh, a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you, it all started with uh, going to Yeshiva. First, uh, after high school, I felt like that was my Meeting first Meeting here step. in Israel? Yeah, right here at a place called Minot. Sure. And, you know, you just kind of, uh, when in Israel, there's something about it um, kind of draws you towards the country itself. I think a lot of people can testify to that, that when you come to Israel, there's uniqueness about it, about the people, about the environment. And you start to think, okay, I'm going to be taking on my next steps in life now. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do?
So number and, uh, one, you said you wanted to stay in Israel. That's for sure. That's right. for and then sure. secondly, you have to start looking at different programs. When was JCT introduced to you? JCT was introduced to me probably towards the end of my Yeshiva year, which was prime time because already right. cogs are moving. You're thinking, where am I going? Am I going to go back to South Africa, study there? Am I going to come stay in Israel in a place where I'm like starting to feel the connection to from the people to the culture and all that? And I was presented by a mentor of mine about uh, JCT when I told him I want an environment where I have a religious back, where I can be involved in religious studies, mm-hmm. as well as pursue a academic degree um, where it's well recognized, where they kind of push you to be the best that you can. And that's the business program that you're now in. That is it. Also one semester complete. What would you say about the business program at JCT? Tell me about it. I think um, the business program at JCT is it's small, but it's, that's a, a beauty of it right now, is that there's this intimacy that you're able to have with your lecturers and your peers around you that you can learn the work to the best of your capabilities and understand it. Um, and even when you come through a point where you have a challenging moment, difficulty understanding a concept or really trying to integrate it in your life and use the material that you've learned, you have the people around you to help you do that. It's kind of like a mentorship in a sense that makes you want to continue excelling and succeeding. Very interesting. Have you had an opportunity to enjoy Jerusalem during this year? Oh, I enjoy Jerusalem every day. That's <laughs> so the truth. So it's not just rigorous study constantly. You no, do get think, a break once in a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, the schedule is actually amazing in the business program. It's on Tuesdays and Fridays, classes. Right. I mean, it's tough studying on those Tuesdays and Fridays, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of work outside also. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But it gives so much time and opportunity, I guess, to, to work, um, make money. And also to enjoy Jerusalem. I mean, there's an amazing culture here, great nightlife, um, and just beautiful sceneries all around. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Good, yeah, good more diversity in the urban and the natural. You more know? and more American students are finding out from people like us. Are more people in South Africa finding out about this from people like you? I think um, slowly they are. I recently uh, did a publication um, about JCT that's going to be put in the South African newspaper nice. there. Nice. Um, so I hope that brings people here because it's an amazing opportunity that um, people really should be getting involved in. So people shouldn't expect you back in South Africa for a while. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a beautiful country. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> a pleasure meeting both of you. Nussan Cutler uh, from Houston, a first-year computer student. Arye Ross from South Africa, a first-year business program student. Thank you both very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure meeting you. St- a pleasure nice meeting you. JM and the AM as we broadcast from the Inbal Hotel and have spent an amazing hour with the Jerusalem College of Technology. Some of these things we knew in advance and some of the things we've known from conversations we've had with JCT over the years, but we've learned a lot and it was wonderful that we included a whole bunch of students in our program today during this hour as we close out our um, our broadcast week here at JMA. Not the entire week. Tomorrow we'll be in studio, obviously, but our NSN on the road in Israel is wrapping up. Uh, four fabulous days here at the Inbal Hotel and so many other areas. NSN on the road in Israel is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Um, and I thank everybody who's made this such an incredible week. Our friends at Koran Publishers, Azer Mitzion, Shari Tzedek, Jerusalem College of Technology, uh, the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University, um, Josh Fass, Rabbi Fass from Nefesh Benefesh, Josh Joseph, Senior Vice President of Yeshiva University, who both joined us earlier today, and to all of our incredible sponsors, especially our On the Road in Israel sponsor, Aaron's Casino Farms, who I will hopefully see 
up close and personal this coming Friday. A big thank you to Avrami and to Yoni and to Miriam L. Wallach and to uh, everybody who's helped put these shows together. Want to again wish a mazel tov on last night's dinner, Yeshivat Noam, to uh, Tamar and Ross Rothenberg and all of the honorees at the Yeshivat Noam dinner. Also want to remind everybody the mega event is this coming Sunday in Teaneck, New Jersey. Don't forget to explore Aliyah and opportunities in Israel. Log on now, nbn.org slash mega, nbn.org slash mega. The Young Israel of Teaneck dinner is this coming Sunday night. Mazal tov to Janet and Lior Hode and all the honorees for the Young Israel of Teaneck. And a big thank you to our friends at the Inbal Hotel who have gone way beyond the call of duty in uh, in giving us the hospitality that we have enjoyed all through this week here at the uh, at the Inbal in Jerusalem. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. That wraps up an amazing week for us on the road here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow we're back in studio in New York. Weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time with Malcolm Honeline. And, of course, plenty more, as you would expect, on a Friday broadcast from JM in the AM. Thanks to Aaron's Casino Farms for sponsoring our On the Road in Israel, an incredible four-day journey to the Holy Land, uh, which I hope everybody out there enjoyed as much as we did presenting it. Have a fabulous Thursday. There's plenty coming up, including a brand new edition of That's Life with Miriam Wallach done here at the Inbal Hotel. That happens at 10.30. Before that, Allison Joseph with Jew in the City Speaks. Uh, coming up next, Charlie Harari with Unlocking Greatness. And, of course, Michael Fragan with Spin Class. That's all happening. Live lunch begins at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.